Hi and welcome to episode 22 of Culture Bucket. It's nice to have you, to have you today. So, um, it's a big week here at Culture Bucket. We're going to be talking about our top five 90s bands, as we told you last week. And uh, we've got plenty of other things to discuss as well, like our usual homework and culture catch-up. I am George, and with me is your other host, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are, How you, are today? you today, Alex? Oh. Oh, no. Oh, right, stop, that. stop, delete, start again. Okay, <laughs> episode 21 of Culture Bucket. Welcome. <laughs> 22. And homework, 22. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm a great. Cool. Thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm pretty good. So, um, culture catch-up time is nigh. Nigh. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. It's my turn nigh. to start. It's your turn to start. Uh, that is what it's called. So, why don't you get going? Yeah, um... <laughs> Uh, Go so, on, hurry up. Oh, sh- shut up, George. Go on, you, time is wasting. Come on. <laughs> what? Don't, don't, don't make my brain just go... Bah! That's what he usually does when I'm under pressure. Uh, so um, this week I, I'm going to talk about... what well, I watched after we recorded, I decided to watch The First Wives Club again to kind of... Um, you know, you sent me a text saying that you're going to watch um, si- The Silence of the Lambs uh, to kind of refresh your memory. So I thought, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what George does. And I watched it. And it just reminded me how wonderful and simple um, a lot of 90s films are. <laughs> sure. How, like, like in the sense of like like a warm, cuddly blanket. And so I decided uh, to watch uh, Sister Act 2 uh, to make me... <laughs> To make me feel like in a warm wrapped blanket. It's not great, but you know, it's it's fun. It's uh it's just good a good fun time. And it's sort of more more of the same, but the same is good, but it's yeah, not necessarily better. That kind yeah, of thing. exactly. And you know, yeah. uh what Sister Act Two did to me in the nineties what it was introduced Lauren Hill as a singer. And I appreciate her and I love her and I, you know, her voice is incredible. You know, it's good. In the end, she saves the school. Everybody's happy. All is good. Yeah. Cool. And then um, I watched another film which hasn't got great reviews, but I thought it might be good because I quite like uh, Melissa McCarthy. And it's called Life of the Party. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's a it's a film like this. I think it's direct. It's directed by Ben Falcone. Falcone. Well, I would say Falcone, but I think in America you would say Falcone. Uh, 
Falcon. No, I think it's Falco. I don't know. Well, I say Falcone, okay? It's directed by Ben Falcone or Falcone, depending where you oh, are. Oh, Falcone. Yeah, that's... Uh, sorry, I thought you said Falco. I thought you were like, it would I be know, a silent Falcone. N. Falcone. Why would it be a silent N? <laughs> no. <laughs> I understand you now. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, and it's written by Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. They're, they're married, actually. And um, it stars, of course, uh, Melissa McCarthy... And uh, Matt Walsh as her husband. <laughs> ben Falcone is in it as an Uber driver. And um, Ma- 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 Maya Rudolph is in it. Um, and it's, uh, well, it's the story of this woman that uh, gets suddenly, his her husband suddenly asks for a divorce. And uh, basically she realizes that, uh, well, she she dropped out of college after falling pregnant uh, with her husband and she never had a job and her husband had everything the house the money and sh- he suddenly asked for a divorce and he's not willing to give her anything which i think is illegal anyway but uh, you know it's a film uh, yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> she decides to um go back to school american school so university uh to finish her law degree in law no to finish her archaeology degree and yeah. uh, she decides to finish her archaeology degree in the same university as her daughter and uh, she starts uh, living a uh, party life and sleeping with people well only one person and uh, yeah oh it's an okay film um yeah it's um like it's enjoyable to watch it's not you know, I think people might get off- offended by, like, oh, it's so bad. But it's not, you know, it's got 4.5 stars out of 10, which is pretty low. Um, it's yeah. got some really funny comedy moments uh, from Melissa McCarthy. Like, you know, she's really good with the kind of um, physical comedy. And I had uh, some, like, laugh out loud moments uh, with that. And I, I don't know, I think it's a, it's a nice, entertaining film to watch on a Saturday afternoon when it's cold outside. I don't know. It's not, it's not bad. I, I, you know, at least seven stars I would give, not 4.5. That's like bad. Um, and, uh, like it's not offensive. I feel like Uh a 4.5 film is like an offensive film, like, uh, Batman V Superman. That's an offensive film to watch. But, (laughs) (laughs) But this one is not. And I liked it. I thought it was simple enough, lovely enough, had good elements to it. And um, it had some really funny moments. So, you know, is it 10 out of 10? No, but yeah. Is it silly? Yeah, but I like Melissa McCarthy. Do you like Melissa McCarthy? I don't know if you do. Uh, No, not particularly. Okay. I, I like her in stuff that Ben Falcone doesn't write and direct, but... Uh, oh, okay. I don't. I think from what I've seen, the films I make together are not for me. Mm. Spy is a very good film, a very good Melissa McCarthy. Oh, film. I do like Spy. I like yeah. Spy. No, yeah. I do think I think she's okay, but she I, I she's not the kind of. If I hear if if a film is meant to be really good and she's in it, I'll watch it. But yeah. I don't go out of my way to watch Melissa McCarthy films because I've seen a couple that I just wasn't keen on. Yeah, I yeah, I just I don't know. I just found it, it was just there. I watched it. It was entertaining, and you know, 
I don't know. I have a really soft spot from for uh of uh, I've got a soft I've had I've got a soft spot for her, uh because I I used to watch uh, well, didn't but I watched um the Gilmore Girls and she played Suki in it and I just love oh, the scenes yeah. and I don't know I just you know if she's in something I'll watch it because I think it's I think she's lovely. And uh, I do yeah. like her in Gilmore Girls. Actually, I forgot she was in that. She's yeah, nice in that. and she's amazing she's in that. So, yeah. I yeah, I have kind of a hot, uh, soft spot for her. But yeah, that does me feel. Those are my films for the week. Um, after watching Sister Act two, I remembered how much I like and love uh, Lauren Hill, uh, uh-huh. and so um, I went to uh, listen to uh, the album uh, The Score by the by the Fugees. That if if what happened to me when I bought that album hadn't happened to me, it would have been probably in my top five bands today. So okay. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll explain uh, what happened. So uh, every summer I used to come to England uh, with uh, my uh, with my parents uh, to come and see family and stuff, and um, I I think I watched. I think I I think I don't know why I knew about Lauren Hill. I think it was probably from Sister Act. Um when did Sister Act come out? I didn't think this through actually. That's amazing. <laughs> when did Sister Act come out? Nineteen ninety-three and when did uh the score nineteen ninety six, yeah. So I must have known about Lauren Hill from Sister Act and really enjoyed her. And I and mm. then um the Killing Me Softly song came out um, in Italy. Uh, and it was uh, the Fugees cover of uh, Roberta Flack's song, uh, Killing Me Softly. And I really liked that song. And so we, we went to England for the summer and I bought, uh, I think I bought the cassette of the score just because of that song. And uh, and it said parental guidance. But my parents, my parents have been always pretty like free with that. Like they never cared, you know. As long as I was a good child, like it wasn't a problem for them. But at that point, uh, during our little travels around the UK, we were staying with this really conservative family. I think you met mm. them <laughs> in Wales. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And. My mum never, ever confiscated anything from me, ever. <sighs> like, I was 13 years old. She never confiscated anything from me. And so I was look- I bought this cassette with my money, and uh, I it disappeared. And because nothing ever was confiscated from me, I was certain I had lost it, like certain. But I, And then my mum was like, oh, well, you know, Let's buy you the Roberta Flack. Since you only like that song, let's buy you the Roberta Flack CD, a video cassette, a audio cassette. And so, <laughs> like, I was like, okay. So I was sure I lost it. And then years later, my mom was like, no, um, the 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 lady we were staying at with, she made me take it away from you because there were bad words. <laughs> <laughs> so I never got to listen to the album, which is a catastrophe because it's such a good album. It's an incredible album. It's so good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but I, I listened to the Roberta Flack album, and that was good too. Uh, but yeah, so I listened to uh, that album uh, this week. Not that it was the first time, but I don't know. I just watched Sister Act and listened to that. It's really, really good. 
um, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's mm. an incredible album. If anybody, if nobody has, if somebody, is it like if you, if there is anyone that hasn't listened to it, listen to it because it's really, really good. And then yeah. after that, because I was in a Lauren Hill nineties. I don't know, Bubble. I listened to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, an incredible mm-hmm. album it, as well. So, so good, isn't it? Have, yeah. you, have you heard it? Well, so I've never listened to the score by the Fugees. Okay. I'm the person that's never listened to it. Although I do oh. like Killing Me Softly. I like the singles. I've just never listened to the album. Um, but I have listened to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And for me, it's an amazing album, slightly undercut by the skits that I don't like. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you either like them or I think I think they add to the album. I think they're quite like I don't know, they're the part of it because it's called the Miseducation of Lauren Hill and she's in a school and oh, I I get it. I just think yeah, that no, they last I'm, too I mean, long and they should be separate <laughs> tracks and oh, I guess so maybe yeah. But good album uh, released in uh, nineteen ninety eight and the only album released by Lauren Hill. Um, she did release a second album, but it was like a weird MTV unplugged album, and it's meant to be pretty terrible. Oh, right? okay. I only knew about that one. She did like there was like MTV unplugged, but she sort of instead of doing songs like most artists when they do an MTV unplugged, they do like famous songs of theirs mm. acoustically. But she did it. She did like a load of new stuff. Okay. But it it didn't go down very well. Like it went down very badly. Apparently. Oh no. She's quite a. She's she's quite a controversial figure nowadays yeah. for yeah. like turning up not not doing gigs properly and stuff. But you know that's an amazing album. I do like the Miseducation yeah. of Lauren Hill. There's some great yeah. songs on there. But yeah, I wish that the Fugees thing, were my I don't know. Well, they're not called the Fugees. They're called Fugees. But can I say the Fugees? <laughs> I don't know. Uh yeah, that's a that's a devastating right, story want... of um nineties censorship there from your. From your, from your parents. I know, I know. And I talked about it with my mom this week and she was like, yeah, I can't believe I did it. Like, I never. <laughs> Be- but also the amazing thing is I've never, nothing ever confiscated, was confiscated well, from me I again. Don't, so Why didn't she give it back to you once she'd left, staying, stopped staying with those people? Well, because it stayed, it stayed there. Like, we left and the cassette stayed there. Oh, she didn't? What, why? That's bizarre. I've got I know. questions for your mom. I know, but I think my mom is one of those people that's like, where somebody is on her about something. I think the lady we were staying with, she was on at her, on at her. And she was like, oh, you know what? Just take it away. And yeah, but I was so certain I lost it. Oh, mate. Yeah. It's like yeah. when I was a kid and I had uh, returned to Oz on VHS tape, the um, sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I used to watch it all the time and it scared my mum. Because it had the wheelies in it. Have you seen Return to Us? No. It has these men who have bicycle wheels for like hands instead of hands and feet, and they kind of roll around. Ooh. It's very yeah. and like the there's a princess in it who takes her head off and replaces it with different heads, and she's got oh this room goodness. full of heads. Sandals. It's really creepy. I really liked it, but my mum found it terrifying. And one day she just threw the videotape away, but told me that she, that it had like gone missing, <laughs> so that she wouldn't have to watch it anymore. Parents are the worst. Yeah. The yeah. Fugees and Return to Us, too controversial. But artifacts. I don't know. Like I feel like maybe my musical taste would have been totally different if I had the opportunity of having that album and enjoying that album. But then I don't know. 
Uh, who knows? Who knows? And the I last thing um, yeah. I want to talk about is this band called Infinity. No. What are they called? Just a moment. I'm really confused by them. No. Imagine Dragons. Ba- hmm? Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons. Oh, yes. Uh, they they are called Infinity Song, and okay. uh, they released an album called Mad Love. And they're a group of I think like they're it's really hard because there's no Wikipedia and there's no nothing. I think I think they're a group of brothers and sisters, uh, from uh New York. They're a sibling band, so I assume they're all brothers and sisters. Yeah. Sure, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, and they all play an instrument and they, they released this album last year, uh, 2020, called Mad Love. And it's a really, really interesting album. I'm really, um, really not, really good, actually. I really enjoyed it because it's, um, it's kind of, um, it does, it feels like there's lots of different styles and I think it's because of how they are as siblings after reading their like brothers and sisters kind of made the album made more sense to me because it felt like they had like a, a, a like a an amalgamation of of different styles and different concepts and because they're all musicians uh they also like incorporate, incorporate lots of like different instruments in it and it's i i find it like a really good album and um not the first time i listened to it i i listened to it for a few times because i I I don't know. There were some songs I really liked and some songs I didn't really get. And then now it just I don't know. It's a really good album and I would recommend it. And um, mm. it's by this uh, sibling band called Infinity Song. But they're in five, so if they're sibling ba- band, well done, mum, for making five children. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, really really good. Uh, really kind of uh, soulful and nice and i really really liked it and that was my recent addition for the week because the rest has been the 90s yes of course similar (laughs) yeah because they've been uh the you know what i had to study for this week and also i felt i felt uh i feel comforted by them (laughs) this week yeah that's fair yeah nice Uh, yeah and that's it for my culture catch-up how about you yeah, so I've got a few things to discuss. First of all, a uh, big video game release this week for me. Hitman 3 came out, which if you've listened to our top five video games episode, you'll know that Hitman 2 is one of my favourite games of all time. So I was pretty excited about Hitman 3. I've put about 20 hours into it so far, and it is brilliant. It's it's everything I liked from Hitman 2, but put into Hitman 3, and they've done the thing again where all, all of the content from Hitman 1 and 2 is now imported into Hitman 3. So within Hitman 3, all of the levels are there to play from all of the games. And it's pretty it's pretty great. Um, they veer a little bit closer to story in this one. Mm. with um, Because uh, it's the conclusion of a trilogy. They kind of go all in on the story. And they did it a few years ago with a game called Hitman Absolution, which is my least favourite Hitman game because it's sort of... It's all about story. And it's got that, like... Do you know, like, all those films that try to copy Quentin Tarantino where mm. all of the women are sex objects and all of the men look like professional wrestlers and everyone is swearing at each other all the time, like that kind of thing. 
Like yeah. they did that in the Hitman game, and it was awful. I hated it, and they ca- and it was also so story focused. It had none of the actual fun stuff from Hitman, and this new one there's a bit close to maybe going in that direction but I, for me they avoid it and um yeah it's brilliant so hitman free then a couple of tv shows first of all disney plus finally we have our first new marvel content since 2019 with the release of wandavision uh at the point wandavision the story of scarlet witch and vision living a beautiful life in a sitcom world somewhere uh they've put out three episodes so far and I am really enjoying it. Have you watched any of it yet? No, not yet. No. Not yet. You should definitely get on it. It's brilliant. Um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's like each episode's half an hour long, so it's not too long. And then it seems to be that each episode is a different decade of sitcoms. Mm. So the first episode is all in black and white, and it's very much based on the Dick Van Dyke show from the 50s. Mm. And then the second episode moves into the 60s it's still in black and white but then it's more based on i think it's i dream of genie okay and then at the end of the third episode it sort of goes into at the end of the second episode it still goes into color and then this this third episode is set in the 70s and all the fashion changes along with it and stuff it's really cool and then from what i've heard it's going to go like 80s 90s noughties and there'll even be like an episode that's like a kind of office or parks and recreation sort of thing so it's pretty cool and then the story, you know, the overall actual like Marvel story that's going with it is really intriguing and interesting. And the newest episode that I just saw, the 70s one, um, is was brilliant. It has this amazing scene at the end where it all gets really mm. sinister and, and weird. So uh, I'd recommend, yeah, WandaVision seems awesome. like a pretty cool thing. Then I also watched, finally got around to checking out on Netflix, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, the thing that came out in 2020 and became pretty quickly the most successful thing Netflix have ever done. Uh, stars Anya Taylor-Joy, an actress I really like, as a chess prodigy in the sort of 50s hmm. and 60s, I think, is mainly when it's set. And uh, I was pretty sceptical of it because it's about chess and I wasn't really... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big chess person. But <laughs> it is one of the, it's one of the best TV shows I've seen in a long time. Hmm. It turns out it's absolutely incredible. It's so, so good. The final episode is the most satisfying finale I've seen of a TV show in such a long time. It pulls together everything that's come in the... It's seven episodes long, so it pulls together everything from the previous six episodes. It pays off every little thing that they've done and is just completely satisfying to watch. And when it ends, you're just like, oh, that was perfect. And what I love so much about it is the main character, Elizabeth Harmon, played by Annie Taylor-Joy, who's a chess prodigy. Like, it opens with her in an orphanage in, like, the 50s. Mm. And she's nine, and she starts being taught chess by the janitor. And then it kind of goes through her life as she becomes, you know, goes up to... want to. She wants to compete against Russians. Is the ultimate, game, oh, ultimate goal is that she wants to compete in Moscow yeah. against Russian players because they're, like, the the top. The work, Like, mm. there's never been an American that could beat... Even the best American players can never beat Russians at chess because it's sort of their thing. So it would very easy, and a lot of times, you know, sports dramas or or dramas about kind of prodigies and things, the character is always, like, amazing at the one thing that they like, and then all the drama comes from, like, but they're terrible at talking to people and terrible at this and they're terrible at that. And, like, but they Mm. actually portray Elizabeth Harmon in this, the, the main character, as being incredibly proficient and smart as well as like socially aware 
and funny and interesting. And she's just, she's got one big problem, Achilles heel, mm. which is like addiction. And it builds on that really well. It shows okay. how she gets this issue of addiction as a child and it kind of follows mm. her through her life. And those are kind of, where, that's where the drama and the problems in the series come from. But I really like that it doesn't present her as kind of like, um, what's the phrase? I don't know what the phrase is. Idiot savant? I don't know if that's... But it doesn't It doesn't portray her as like completely useless, everything except mm. for chess. Like she's an amazing person and then also okay. she's like good at chess. So it's a cool, it's a different take for me on that kind of thing because I feel like that's not the normal way to go. And um, yeah, it's brilliant. And it's got some great, like she's really good in it and then it's got the guy that played Dudley in the Harry Potter movies is in it and he's just proving himself to be an amazing actor recently because he's shown up in a bunch mm. of different things. Yeah. So yeah, the Queen's Gambit. I would. Re- I really. I gave that five stars. I would massively recommend that to everybody. It is yes. fantastic. Then I've got a few films I watched. I went on Disney Plus and watched the new Pixar movie Soul. Finally, have you uh, seen yeah. Soul? No, not yet. So I was a bit. What was I? I'm not skeptical so much, but like Pete, the guy who directed Soul, the new Pixar movie, is uh, Pete Doctor, who made. I think he made Monsters Inc. Mm. Up. And Inside mm. Out. And if you're going to do like a ranking of the best Pixar movies, like I think all three of those would be yeah. pretty near the top. So it's like <laughs> yeah, kind of definitely. <laughs> Pixar's secret weapon. in the. So it's almost like watching a new film from him is a bit intimidating in a way because yeah. it's like it has to be perfect, basically. Mm. And Soul is a story about a guy who's a jazz teacher. He teaches high school music, but he's a jazz pianist. Mm. And... The film sort of opens with him teaching this class and it's obvious that like teaching high school music isn't his dream. He mm. gets an opportunity to perform in a sort of jazz band with a sax, I think it's a saxophonist that he really respects, this lady. Mm. And he's so excited about finally having this big break that he hops off down the street, all excited about um, his big break and he falls in a manhole and dies. <laughs> And then cut to him on this big staircase uh, as a spirit going up to what is essentially meant to be heaven. And he's like, what's going on? What's happened? I've got my big break finally. And the entire movie is him. He breaks off this staircase. He falls down to, I think, a, an area they call the Great Before, mm. um, which is where souls are. The idea of the film is that he's in this place now where like souls are given their personalities before they are sent to Earth to be a a person or to live a okay. life if you see what i mean okay and he ends up getting matched up with this soul that's never been successfully given a personality and and sort of has Aww. to try and he he has to try and help her find her personality or no sorry it's it, it's voiced by tina fey but it's not coded actually uh, it's so it, the pronoun would be they i think so yeah this soul hasn't been has never successfully been given a personality there's loads of funny mm. jokes about how like people like um, Confucius and just loads of famous people from from throughout history have tried to help this soul find a personality <laughs> and no one succeeded. So yeah. his task is to try and help them find a, find their personality and their task is to kind of help him get back to his body. And it's a really beautiful, heartwarming story. It's life affirming. Ultimately, it's not mm. it's not actually depressing about the fact that he dies at the start because it never really treats it as him having died. If you see what I mean, okay. um, it's mm. really really funny. It's got some great voice actors in it. The main guy is voiced by Jamie Foxx. The main soul is voiced by Tina Fey. And then in the supporting mm. cast, it's like the, the, I'd say like almost the third highest kind of speaking role is Graham Norton. Ah, oh, no. 
Amazing. Yeah, I, I, this character turns up and started to speak, and I was like, I know who you are. You're, Hello, Graham, what are you doing here in a, in a Pixar film? But he's really funny in it. And then, and I, I, I hope I'm not getting her name wrong, is it Rachel House, the lady who's in Taika Waititi's movies? Oh, yes, I think is so. She, what? I think she's called Rachel House. Yes, she is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's in it voicing this kind of um, person, this sort of spirit whose job is to count all the souls as they go into heaven and obviously the mm. count's off because Jamie Foxx escapes. So she's kind of in the background of the film um, trying to track him down. It's kind of exactly the role she plays in Hunt for the Wilder People, I'm realising now as I talk about mm. it. And she's very, very funny and uh, Richard Ayoade is in it as well. Yeah, it's a, it's got a good cast. It's really funny. It's really heartwarming. I'd say it's probably not quite up there with like Inside Out, which is my favorite of um. The, I think it's pretty. Much, I think I put it as number one in my favorite animated films actually. So it's it's not as good as Inside Out, but it's really good, and I'd massively recommend watching it. Um, so yeah, check out Soul for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then I watched. Um, I won't spend too long on it, but I watched Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. Have you seen that? No. Like, is this? It was a, so the, it was a was, 2020 the, film. Okay, so was this there was a Suicide Squad. They did Suicide Birds Squad in 2016. Is from, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So it's the I, same Margot Robbie. Yeah. Okay, because I, I heard the Suicide Squad is pretty bad. Is Suicide yeah. Squad is awful, yeah. Okay. But last year, they released Birds of Prey, colon, or the emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And it's mm. a basically, it's a Harley Quinn movie with a few other female kind of heroes and villains in it. And I saw it when it came out in the cinema last year and thought it was okay. And I watched it again recently for the second time and thought it was fantastic. I think it's oh. actually a brilliant, um, really fun hit superhero movie okay. that doesn't do the things all... Like, it's a, just a crime film, actually, but Harley Quinn happens to be the main character in it. Like, it's not got supernatural stuff, really. It's not got, like, a huge world-ending mm. catastrophe the villain is is Black Mask, who's just a gangster in Gotham City, but he's played by Ewan McGregor, mm. who is incredible. Okay. He's playing he plays this crime lord as if he's kind of like Elton John in the middle of a tantrum. There's this bit <laughs> yeah. where he's showing a character around his kind of lair, and he's got all these shrunken heads, um, and he's like. This person, this this was a person five hundred years ago, and now they're just a a thing on my wall. I love it. Ooh, it's just. Like, it's such a weird <laughs> performance. Yeah. Um. It's such a. It's like the most fun movie. It's a really good film. I definitely. You should definitely check it out. Mm. I think you'd like it. Um. It's like everything that Suicide Squad kind of should have been. The Harley mm. Quinn movie manages to be. Um. So yeah, it's really really good. Then similarly to you, I went back to my um my some of my nineties loves and I watched the first Ace Ventura movie. Okay. Because you'll remember from last week, I put the second Ace Ventura movie in my yeah. top five 90s films. And I stand by that having rewatched the first one because it's funny. And I know we said, we talked a lot last week about how we, you can't hold them, you can't judge them by today's standards so much, like films from the past and like films yeah. from the 90s. Which is totally true to a point, but I mean, there is a point in the first Ace Ventura movie where he realises that a character he has kissed is actually a man. And the sequences following that revelation are so disturbing by when you watch it today that okay. it's not funny. And then the film focuses on that so much that it's sort of there's nothing mm. else to 
to enjoy. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, like there's a there's a whole scene of him. Like there's a bit. Everyone remembers the bit at the end where he reveals it to everyone else, and everyone starts like spitting and stuff. Mm. But there's a bit where he's in his apartment and he realizes it, and he's on his own. And there's like this whole montage of him like brushing his teeth and chewing gum, and then taking oh, off yeah. all his clothes and putting his clothes in a bin and setting them on fire, oh, and yeah. having a shower. And it's mm. like, it's just. And I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell. Like I actually liked it. It's a funny movie. The first hour mm. of it is really, really funny, but the last twenty mm. minutes really let it down because it goes. It goes. I, for me, it crosses the line from like something from the nineties that you can understand to like something that is kind of genuinely quite hateful. But mm. the first hour of that movie is hilarious, and it's just unfortunate. But yeah, never mind. Then ah, uh, then I watched again an amazing film, nineteen ninety five. David Fincher directed Seven. Oh, Seven! Seven, what a great film. Oh my word! I what have not seen that film. film since I was in my probably my early twenties, maybe. It's been a while. I couldn't yeah. believe how incredible it is. Oh. I'd forgotten. It's from start to finish. It's a perfect like serial killer procedural thriller. Mm. I, if you haven't seen Seven, it's a story of Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are two police detectives. Morgan Freeman is one week away from retirement. Brad Pitt is the new young detective that's coming to replace him and they both end up investigating these crimes where people are being sort of either murdered or tortured Um in line with the seven deadly sins. So the first one they find is this enormous man that's burst yeah. inside because he's been force-fed, yeah. um, force-fed all this spaghetti sauce. And that's gluttony. And then the second yeah. one is... What's the second one where they... they re- oh, it's greed. There's a lawyer that's okay. had been made to cut a pound of flesh from his own body. Um, and that's greed. And it sort of goes from there. Yeah. And... Um, it's dark and dreary. Mm. I love how it's set in the city and they never tell you what city it's set in, but every mm. scene, I think literally every single scene set outside in the city is raining. And near the end of the movie, they leave the city and go to a desert area. And that's, I think that's the first time in the entire film it's not raining. Um, it's what a beautiful, a it's a perfectly made movie. It's so, so good. Um, it's got an all-time horrific ending. That when I watched it when I was a teenager, I didn't mm. quite understand. It was a bit like, well, there's only been five. Where's the last two cool murders? I don't understand. But watching it as an adult, I feel like you have the emotional maturity once you're grown up and you know you understand the world to kind of see how truly horrific what happens at the end is and how it's actually the killer has succeeded in what he wanted to yes. do. Uh, it's awful that and that is that's actually the only kind of negative thing about the movie again with today's standards is that kevin spacey plays the killer and it's a bit of a and it's almost i almost felt like because he's not in the credits at the start and it's almost a surprise that he's in the film he doesn't come into it until an hour and a half and it almost feels like netflix should almost put a warning on the start that kevin spacey do you know what i mean it's it's Um, bizarre though like i can't i cannot watch any film with him like it makes like i can't i can't <laughs> it's tough yeah it's tough in in seven he's in it for such a short amount of time and yeah. he's playing such a horrible character that you're a bit like yeah. i hate you and i you know i hate you in every way that i can imagine mm. but also i hate your character so what then i watched a it? film i've it's a, not a 90s film because it came out in 2001 but it really feels like a 90s film mm. that i had never seen before i was like I'll, i figured i'll finally get around to watching it it's the film that won denzel and um, his second oscar 2001's Training Day. Oh, that's a good film. Yeah, starring um, Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington. 
And within about five minutes, I was like, okay, I know why Denzel won, a, won an Oscar <laughs> for this film. The, uh, the interesting thing with Training Day for me is, and I'm about to criticise it a bit, but I still, it's a four-star film for me. I really liked it. But I just think it's interesting to note that it was written, I think it was the first film written by David Ayer, who went on to be a writer and director of such films as Suicide Squad and Sabotage, End of Watch, Fury, The Tax Collector, I think is his. Uh, I don't like his films. Like The films he's written and directed are bad, and I think he's a pretty bad at story, and I think that's where the only thing Training Day falls down on is some of the story is a bit clunky, and, and, and like there's a bit where he rescues a girl from being assaulted in an alleyway, and then he picks up her ID and, mm. and realises how young she was. And then right at the end of the movie, there's a bit where he's about to be killed. And just by total chance, they check his pockets and he happens to have this ID still on him. And it happens to be the the cousin of the girl that he had rescued is who's about to murder him. So he doesn't murder him because he'd rescued. And it's just a bit like, Mm. it's not bad, but it's in retrospect, it feels like a David Ayer move in terms of it just being a bit clunky. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think that Denzel is the reason to watch that film. Like, he makes it. Absolutely. Uh, some yeah. of the plot stuff is a bit like, really? Okay. But, yeah, it was cool. Then I watched... I won't talk about this one for too long because there's not too much to say, but it's another David Fincher movie. Again, I think it's from the early 2000s rather than the 90s, but it feels like a 90s film. Jodie Foster in Panic Room. Ah, uh, yes. I've seen... <laughs> I've I watched that film, like in the like when it came out uh, I yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah remember much of it but yeah so it's Jodie Foster plays a woman who's just left her husband and yeah. uh Kristen Stewart before she was known as anyone plays her daughter as mm. like a teenager and they move into this big house in New York that happens to have a panic room installed in the ma- in like the master bedroom which is basically I think at the t- the funny thing is now I feel like everyone knows what a panic room is it might be because of this film but there's a scene in the film where they have to explain what a panic room is and it's a bit like come on we we get it it's a room that you go and hide in when you when your house gets invaded um and ultimately the house gets invaded by Forrest Whitaker who's always good Dwight Yoakam who's like a country singer and mm. uh Jared Leto who is again the thing where when you look back on it with <laughs> from today, you're like, ah, oh, he ruins it a bit by being in it. But um, basically, they they come in to steal something that the previous owner left in the house. Jodie Foster mm-hmm. wakes up and sees that they're in the house and takes her daughter and hides in the panic room. And the twist is the thing that the robbers want to steal is hidden inside the panic room. So they're in but essentially a siege starts where they're trying to get Jodie Foster to come out of the panic room and Jodie Foster won't because obviously they'll kill her. Uh, it's a pretty stupid film, but because it's directed by David Fincher, who did Seven, it's a pretty competently made stupid film mm. that's very, very entertaining. And if you've never seen Panic Room and you want to just be able to enjoy yourself for a couple of hours, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's on Netflix in the UK, so it's not too hard to watch. But I feel like most people saw it when it came out. But anyway. Mm. Then there's only one other film I watched, but I think I'll, it, I'll save it for Homework. And we'll talk about it in homework because it's sort of linked to your homework, if you see what okay. I mean. Okay. Okay. Um, other than that, the only thing to talk about is it's been a bit of a big start of the year for post punk bands, and three mm. post three post punk bands have put out albums, and I just want to very quickly talk about three all three of them. First of all, uh, Vi- a band from I think Swedish punk band called Viagra Boys put out an album mm. called Welfare Jazz. Uh, which is a very weird album, but pretty enjoyable. And if you like kind of 
slightly off the wall sort of the fall esque stuff with kind of m- mad saxophone all over it and stuff like that and check out that it's, it's interesting second a band called shame which are kind of an up-and-coming uh post-punk band that are mates with the idols boys and stuff put out a, a, their mm. second album called drunk tank pink and i've listened to it a couple of times and it for me it's just okay it's just fine it, it doesn't quite yeah. do it for me but a lot of mm. idols fans have been kind of going crazy over it and stuff and I, you know if you like it that's great but it hasn't quite done it for me then the big one the one that i am incredibly conflicted about liking and still can't quite decide how to feel about it is the new album from Sleaford Mods called Spare Ribs. Have you ever listened to Sleaford Mods? So they're I don't a, think so. They're a duo and it's a guy who makes the beats and, elect- and, and music and stuff and it's all kind of quite simple electronic beats. That's what their music is. It's this guy who does that and then they've got mm. a singer slash rapper who kind of does rapping or poetry over the top of it and it's a very interesting sound and they're super the thing about them is they're they're very very working class like they're they're Mm. a working class band they sort of talk about working class issues and stuff like that um they have a song there's a great performance of them i'll try and remember to put it in the show notes doing a song called job seeker on jules holland which is really good like a funny song but also like really searing Now, because it, it did ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that they're in an episode of um, of um, Adam Buxton, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they were on an. Yes, yeah. yes, they yeah. have been. I on did, Adam I did Buxton. not. I didn't really. I did not like their vibe. Well, that's the thing. So because I felt like because you told me that some people feel like idols shouldn't sing about what they sing about because they haven't been experienced or they're not experienced enough. When I was listening to them on Adam Buxton, I felt like those were the kind of people and you can be working class, but you, you know, you say you're working class, but then you are basically putting down another band for trying to bring the prob like the issue forward. And I feel yeah. like you're, you are bad. And and I, I didn't like their attitude. I felt like they were a bit like, oh, well. So I just, I, I, it's the first time that I skipped an episode because yeah. they were really annoying me. Because I felt like they were up themselves. And you're like, you're, you're saying you're working class and you say, but you're totally up your own ass and you're annoying. So they, they are the band that have said that specifically about idols. Like it's them that have said oh, that really? about is idols. That, is it them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they they did not mention idols, but that by one point they were like, "Well, you know, there are some bands that shouldn't." And I was like, "Oh, oh, are you talking about idols?" And I was like, "I hate you already, so go away." Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's so that's the thing is like, <sighs> idols fans really dislike Sleaford Mods, and they do okay. have that vibe of like being a bit gatekeepy, in my opinion, and like only yeah. working class people should be able to talk about working yeah. class issues, kind of vibe. Um, wow. Which does get on my nerves because obviously I really love idols and I feel like, yeah. I don't know, like class is obviously important, but also I don't know what my class is. I'm not middle class, I don't think. I'm definitely not upper class. I'm probably not working yeah. class. I don't quite exactly. know where I fit in on that. On that, So what am I allowed to kind of complain about? Like I I work, in, yeah. I, I work with people who, who struggle in life and try to support them in my job and stuff. I, like So I, I feel quite conflicted about it all. The issue is that he 
the guy in Sleaford Mods writes really searing, funny, witty lyrics. And when he is mm. taking aim at something that I don't like, it's great. But when he's taking aim at something that I do like, it makes it tough. And the thing with this album is it's brilliant. Like I'm, I like I, I can put aside the fact that I disagree with them on their stances on idols and things like that. Mm. Listen to the album itself, and see that it's a it is a brilliant album musically. Mm. They're they're great. Like the bang, they are bangers. These songs they are so good to listen to. And then his lyrics, they have one song called Nudge It, which is like a direct diss track of idols. Again, it doesn't name them, but it talks about like class tourists and stuff like that. And it annoys me. But again, the music is brilliant. So it's mm. tough because it's a good song. To, it's a fun song. Yeah. But then they have a song called Shortcomings, but Cummings is spelt like Dominic Cummings. And it's it's this whole it's this song just basically tearing into him and a lot a bunch of songs on the album are clearly taking direct aim at Dominic Cummings, um, and that that whole thing and to it taking aim at um, you know the the current Tory government all of this stuff and they're great and they're funny and they're really um, offensive like the language they use is quite colourful mm. to say the least and it's brilliant stuff and I really 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 like it and it just makes me conflicted and upset that they I know like my favorite band don't get on with them they hate my favorite band and all of this stuff and I feel like mm. you know it's like the 90s it's like a a, a budget poundland version of blurvy oasis really it's it, it's ridiculous that we're still doing it so yeah like I like I say I don't like their stance on that kind of thing and it, and it irritates me mm. um but their new album, Spare Ribs, it is it is a it is a really good album. I can't I just it's a brilliant album. They've made a really good album. Um I just wish that they would grow up a bit, but never mind. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now Okay, so before we uh, do our homework, uh, we have a top five uh, 90s films from UG. Uh, okay, and there are numbers, which is rare. So, <laughs> uh, number five, Home Alone. Classic. Nice, classic film. Beautiful. Classic. Number four, Ghost. The Patrick Wait. Swayze film. Patrick Swayze and uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore. Wow, okay. Yeah, a good film. I like it. I haven't seen uh, it. Number but I'm three. Sure it's good. You have not. Have you not seen it? Nah. Why not? It's eh. fun. Patrick Swayze is the best. Okay. Uh, number three, another film with Whoopi Goldberg, the uh, Sister Act. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Number two, The Green Mile. <laughs> okay. And number one, a film that I'm gonna have uh, problems saying is the Shawshank Redemption. Wow, so the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile up top. Yeah. Wow, okay. Frank I always Darabon. get confused which one is which. Uh, the Green Mile is the one about death row with Tom Hanks and the Shawshank Redemption yeah. is the one with Morgan Freeman about just living in prison, life in prison. Yeah. Great. Great list. Thank you, UG. Yeah, very good list. Thanks, UG. Homework. Okay, homework time. So... Last, so I'm going to start. So last week we uh, talked about the 90s, uh, top five films of the 90s. And you told me to watch The Silence of the Lambs, a film that is iconic. I know about it. I've known about it for a very long time, but never watched it because um, 
Anthony Hopkins is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) But not as terrifying as Buffalo Bill, in my opinion. I didn't find Buffalo Bill like... I didn't find him terrifying. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I don't derail you. Go on. So, um... This is the story of uh, FBI trainee Clary Starling, played by Jodie Foster. Uh, she is um, recruited, I guess, by uh, uh, Jack the, Crawford. By Doctor Crawford, and um, uh, he asks her to go and see. Uh, uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter uh, to... Uh, I didn't really understand what the reasoning was at the beginning, but just to kind of, like, talk to him. Like, well, the idea the is the that... Film, there's, there's no really... A, at the beginning, when you watch the film, you, there's not really a reason why she goes, but then you figure out why he sends her. So, you know... She, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she she goes because uh, her... Um, her ba- basically, she really likes Doctor Crawford. 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 Is he? A, is he a doctor? You him. keep calling him Doctor Crawford. I don't think he's a doctor. He's not a doctor, is he? It's just the FBI They're director. All Crawford. The Jack FBI Crawford. director is is behavioral science unit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It's not the director. Yeah. Agent yeah. Agent Crawford. Agent Crawford. And uh, he basically sends uh, her to talk to Hannibal Lecter to kind of get to know him, but then. Fr- uh, the film goes on and we uh, find out that he actually sends her there to pick Anibal Lecter's brains uh, for an actual uh, investigation that's going on at the moment. Uh, Hannibal Lecter is in a high security prison because uh, he is a cannibal. Hannibal the cannibal. He's a regular army hammer. Yeah. Allegedly. And, uh, Allegedly. And, um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, he kind of helps. And, yeah, they have to find this guy that skins people. Buffalo Bill. Girls. Women. Buffalo Bill. Um, yeah, that's it, really. Uh, broadly, yeah. I mean, it's she. It's about her being sent to him to try and get him to help them catch Buffalo Bill. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, um, bum, 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 bum. Uh, the the film is well. First of all, it's a classic nineties film, and two hours like fly, bam, gone. Action oh yeah, from the it start. moves every pam, shot. Pam, pam, yeah. pam, 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 and I because when I saw there was two hours, like oh. Yeah. Well, I love it because I watched it again recently as well, and I checked. I think yeah. it's like twelve minutes in, and she's already talking to Hannibal. Yeah. Like it I know. goes. And 12 minutes in, she's talking to him and it's like, face, face, face. Like, the shots are pretty cool uh, of, like, a full face shot of uh, them talking. So from... And it's kind of weary, isn't it? From the start when she talks to uh, Agent Crawford, uh, when he sends her to talk to Hannibal Lecter. It's like they have a conversation, but you only see their faces. And Mm. apparently uh, the thing was that the the person would talk directly to the camera, but Jodie Foster would always look a little bit sideways just to kind of like see what Jodie Foster was seeing. Yeah, yeah, completely. Which is really, really interesting. And it does it with the victim of Buffalo Bill as well, I think. There's a lot of shots looking up the well at him where you're really putting her perspective. 
Mm, yeah. Like Buffalo Bill's yeah. looking directly down at the camera. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, don't remember that very much. Yeah. But yeah, so she gets down to uh, the cellar <laughs> where she is. And before getting going, where Hannibal Lecter is. But before going in, she meets another terrifying character, which is the doctor. What's the name of the doctor? Oh, what's um, his name? He's horrible. Oh. Chilton, Dr. Chilton. Dr. Chilton, who is horrific. It made me yeah. sick. I was like, yeah, he's, oh, he's like the worst. First... He's worse than Hannibal. He's like the worst man he's in the movie. He's worse than Hannibal. Like, oh god, it was awful. Like when she arrives at the um, at the facility where Hannibal Lecter is, it just like, oh, I felt, is it, is it going to be a, a film full of gross characters? And it is because then she goes and talks to <laughs> Hannibal Lecter, and um, they have that confrontation, and it's a cl- it's a film where. They say something to uh, Clarice and she does the opposite of what she's supposed to do. They say, don't go near the glass. And what does she do? She goes near the glass. Don't tell him anything about yourself. And what does she do? She tells him about herself. You go, oh, just Clarice. Just listen. But she doesn't. Which I found found that quite nerve wracking because I was just like, Clarice, just listen. Uh, but yeah, she goes and talks to Hannibal Lecter, and that's a pretty intense scene. Yeah, I did not like that. And then there's uh, the use of the c word, which in American TV is like, oh my god! You yeah, in the, the early nineties, to have that word in there. In the early nineties, and she has this uh, this thing with Hannibal Lecter, and is 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 a it's a nice conversation, but also is terrifying. Uh, Anthony Hopkins doesn't blink. Uh, and apparently he took that from lizards. He said that lizards only blink when they want to. And he decided to do that. Well done. <laughs> and then when she leaves the facility, like, like uh, Hannibal, and it's been a pleasurable conversation, apart from the fact that she he told her that he she eats, he ate somebody's liver with some Chianti. Lovely. She then goes to... Like she walks, start walking away, and this guy that called her the c word basically, like, throws spunk at her. Yeah, assaults her really. Yeah, that was like unexpected. Yes, and I definitely when I first watched the Science of the Lambs when I was about twelve, I didn't know that I, <laughs> I didn't understand that that's what had happened. That was unexpected. Yeah. and then she finds solace. Solace. Uh, I, comfort, comfort, c- comfort, comfort in Hannibal because she runs back to him. She touches the glass, which she shouldn't touch. Don't touch the glass, Clarice. Because he, the glass. it gets him all aggravated, doesn't it? Yeah. Because his whole thing is he doesn't so much go into it in that movie, but his he killed ru- rude people. Like he hates rudeness and mur- mm. like he eats yeah. the rude. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, as a film, it's it's good. It's interesting. It's got some really interesting points. It's got uh some. It's there's some gruesome bits, but not uh too gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, like definitely Anthony Hopkins makes that film. If it had he hadn't been Hannibal Lecter, I think it would have been a very different film because I feel like his presence is known throughout the film, even if you see him only four times. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Like, Although I think Jodie Foster is pretty she's amazing. She's good. In it. She's good. She's she's good. Um, but uh, I I I also was like, 
I don't know, like when she goes in the house and you go, don't go in the house. Don't go in the house. Just don't go in the house. Like I wouldn't go in the house. I felt maybe. like maybe, like I know it's a horror, like a thriller and you have to go in the house. But also when he disappears, Buffalo Bill, you don't go running after him. You go out, you find a phone. You don't go in the house. But she knows that he has a, a victim that could be still be alive down there. Of course, but he's not going to kill her in five seconds. He might do. He might do, but don't go in the house. Don't go in the cellar. Don't well, go in the cellar. And that's why she's an FBI agent and you're not. No, you go <laughs> and find a phone. And that's the moment I was like, no mobile phones. That would be awful. Like, awful. But no, it's 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 a good entertaining film. It's, it's like, it's kind of, you know... It's got some good nerve-wracking moments. It's got some good funny moments. Anthony Hopkins is the best. Um, the cast is good. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't feel... Um, like The only thing that really annoyed me was certain decisions that Clarice makes, which I feel that maybe wouldn't be translated now because I don't feel... I don't feel like now you would... I don't know. I just I feel like when she runs after him, don't run after him. That's that's the the most idiotic idea because you don't know what's on the other side. So if you want to save the woman, you save the what well, the girl. If you want to save the girl, you need to be more intelligent than what you've done because you might die as well. Yeah, maybe. But so the thing is, she's still decision. she is still just a trainee. She's young. And the film, I think, does a really good job of throughout the movie, it places her amongst men. Oh, like, yeah. oh, right from amazing. the start, when yeah. she's running, she's yeah. the men are running past her and staring at her. Yeah. There's that incredible yeah. scene where she tells them all to leave that body. And yeah. she's like, go on now, get on now. We, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take it from yeah. there. And the bit oh, yeah, where that, Crawford, the Crawford um, uses her being a woman as an excuse to talk privately with the doctor or whatever. And she, yeah. she has a go at it. She actually tells him later, it's like, it's, they look up yeah. to you, it's important what you do. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, there's an element of her feeling always like she has to do more because she's a woman. And I think that's yeah, why she runs absolutely. after him at the end is because she yeah. she feels like it's her responsibility to, to yeah. kind of do it and prove herself and, and that absolutely. stuff. So I see what you mean. Like it's it's maybe not the smartest decision, but in the split second of the moment, it's the, it's the decision she makes. Yeah. And, um, oh, and the, mom- oh, the moment where there's the like, the X-ray, not the X-ray vision, night, the night vision. vision goggles. I was like, oh my god, no! no. Yeah, I would be. I was very annoying to watch that film with. No, no. <laughs> Go outside. What did window. you think of uh, Buffalo Bill? Um, I don't know. Like it was, it it was an interesting. Like, what do you mean? What do you think about? Well, him? I like, I think it's it really. Uh, I think he's scary and like that they like the te- they I think is is it Ted Bundy or it's some famous serial killer used to uh, um kidnap women by pretending to have a broken arm and bundling them into the back of his van and they yeah, took Ted that Bundy. from real life yeah and put it in the film that like, was that's terrifying. really scary was like, that was really and just scary. the way he like he the way he won't talk to like it's I re- I listened to a podcast about it recently. They pointed out a thing where like Hannibal is all about getting inside somebody's mind and yeah. wanting to know them before he hurt, harms them. Like especially with Clarice, yeah. he wants to know everything he can about her. Whereas yeah. Buffalo Bill really wants to view his victims as not having a mind at all and is only interested yeah. in their body because he wants to make a skin suit. Oh um, my goodness! That's and so 
when he's talking yeah. to the when he's talking to that girl that he's got in the well and he's like it puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose yeah. again it won't refer to her as a person or use her yeah, name just definitely. it and stuff mm. i find that really creepy but yeah. then also i think it's a really fun performance from ted levine and in particular his voice is really adam i think it was adam buxton actually once talked a lot about how much fun it is to imitate him mm. um whereas like lines like oh all right we'll see a great big fat person and stuff like that. <laughs> and there's an interesting trivia thing of, um, I don't like it, but you've seen Family Guy, right? Yeah. You know, Chris, the son. Yeah. His voice is voiced by Seth Green, and it is Seth Green doing an impression of Buffalo no. Bill. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, um, I don't know. I just, I, obviously, he's not as good in it necessarily. As I, he doesn't get as much to do to be as good as mm. Anthony Hopkins and stuff. But I, I don't know, I like Buffalo Bill. Um mm. I, and I like that I like that performance. I love Scott Glenn yeah. as Jack Crawford and Jodie Foster as Chloe mm. Star. I mean I watched that film uh, I watched it uh, recently obviously because I knew you were gonna watch it for homework and I wanted to watch it again. And for me, every single scene is is perfect and mm. I I just from beginning to end that's one of my favourite films. Yeah, yeah. No it, it it's good. It's good. And also it just goes. It just action, action, action. Go, go, go. You know when when Hannibal escapes, like oh my god, and then you you go oh no, we know what's <laughs> happened. Yeah, uh, that that it, sequence it, is good though, right? The escape sequence. It's so good. It's so good. When they walk into that room and it cuts to that angel, he's made the guy into an <sighs> angel on the side of the yeah. cage. Uh, the imagery is so disturbing. Yeah. And when and when the last scene, ah, uh, when Anthony Hopkins goes, Anthony Hopkins goes, ah, uh, oh, I'm gonna have an old friend for dinner. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm having yeah, an old friend you, for dinner. You are, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank God, because that doctor was awful. Yeah, Doctor Chilton is horrible. Him. Yeah. Um. So. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was good. I'm glad I watched it because I put it off because of uh, what it was and uh, yeah that was good so I watched as well uh, because I watched Silence of the Lambs in preparation for this and then afterwards I was like god I want more and they made Hannibal of uh, in 2001 yeah. I think Ridley Scott directed mm. Hannibal with Anthony Hopkins I don't like yeah. that film very much it, it takes okay. the horror out of Hannibal and turns in, into a bit of a panto villain it's not It's not for me it's okay but I don't okay. love that movie it's flawed deeply okay. flawed but in 2002, mm. just one year later, Brett Ratner made Red Dragon, which was the third and currently final time that Anthony Hopkins reprised the character. And Red Dragon is a prequel to The Science of the Lambs. Oh, okay. And stars Edward Norton, the mm. brilliant Edward Norton, as FBI agent Will Graham, uh, mm. who is an FBI agent, who, the one who caught uh, Hannibal Lecter. Okay. And then retires after catching Hannibal Lecter. And Red Dragon, very similar to Science of the Lambs, is about Will Graham being brought out of retirement to try and track down a new serial killer that's murdering families. And Jack Crawford... <laughs> it's funny how much Jack Crawford uses this strategy. Jack Crawford gets Will Graham to go and ask Anthony, Hopk <laughs> Anthony Hopkins to help solve the crime. Um, and... You know, Jonathan Demme, who directed Sons of the Lambs, made an almost perfect movie in my book and like won Best Director Oscar for it and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas Brett Ratner, who made Red Dragon, is the guy that made X-Men 3 and the Rush Hour films. He's not the same type of director, if you see what I mean. 
So I've only seen it once before, and I remember really disliking it because I think at the time, Silence of the Lambs was absolutely my favourite film ever, mm. and it, it just isn't the same. But watching it again recently, do you know what? It's really entertaining, and it's really okay. fun. And if you want more fun camp and Hannibal stuff, Red Dragon is kind of like the McDonald's equivalent of... Silence of the Lambs, like, free course French cuisine. Do you see what I mean? Okay. <laughs> the cast is incredible, though. Like, you've got Ralph Fiennes playing the, the killer. You've got Anthony okay. Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. You've got Edward Norton as Will Graham. This time, Jack Crawford is played by Harvey Keitel. You've got a, a reporter in it, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. What? Yeah, like, it's it's a wild cast. The cast is so oh. good. Um, that it, it just and it's just an entertaining, really fun se- procedural serial mm. killer film. So if you're interested at all, I would recommend checking out Red Dragons, Well Signs of the Lambs, and maybe just giving it a bit of the benefit of the doubt and not expecting as much art from it as you'd get from Silence, but still mm. having a fun time. So yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's our Hannibal Corner finished. Yeah. Uh, time to move Bye-bye. on and talk about a film called <laughs> The First Wives Club. Which is from when did it come out? Nineteen ninety six, I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I'm not ready for this. It uh, is nineteen ninety six. The first wives club. It is a film uh, directed by Hugh Wilson, and it stars Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, and Maggie Smith, and then a few other people. Um. As it's sort of it's set in New York, it's about these three women who were friends when they were in university, have drifted apart in the years since. They're all in their late forties. Forty, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, uh, I think one of them one of one of them discusses how they've just turned forty five, yeah. but then I read on, I think IMDb that all three actresses celebrated their fiftieth birthday while yeah, filming together. it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they're in that kind of late 40s zone. Uh, and there was a fourth friend, played by Stockard Channing, who was also friends with them. And the movie opens... So it's not a spoiler. It opens with her killing herself mm. because her husband has left her for a younger woman, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they all receive a letter from her saying that she wishes they could have, you know, stayed closer together mm. and stuff like that. And the three women are Goldie Horn has become an Oscar winning actress. Yeah. Who is obsessed with um remaining beautiful and is mm. scared of not obsessed with remaining beautiful, but feels the need to remain beautiful to continue getting yeah. work in Hollywood. Diane Keaton is a her husband owns a marketing agency. Yeah, like ad- advertising? Is it not advertising? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, well, market marketing is the same as advertising, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> husband owns a, a a marketing or advertising agency, depending on what you sorry. want to say. It's all right. And um, Bet Midler is married to a man who owns an electronics shop. And yeah. similarly to what happened to Stockard Channing, all three women's husbands leave them near, mm. near the start of the film various different reasons and they all realise that the their husbands got successful partly thanks to them like for example Bette Midler's husband all of the stock in his electronic shop when he opened it was was um, provided by her mafia family and it was all stolen and uh, I can't remember why Diane Keaton anyway yeah but all three of them so they form the first wives club where their task is to basically 
get one over on all of their husbands. Um, yeah, that's fair, right? That's yeah. a sort of description. Yeah, of yeah, that's perfect. That you you were very thorough. Good. It's a comedy, uh, mm-hmm. and um, what good a good a good thing for a comedy is being funny. And luckily, the First Wives Club is pretty funny. Ah, it's very funny. Um, in particular, it's a weird one because Diane Keaton is obviously famous for being one of the best comedic actresses of all time. Yeah. She starred in Annie Hall and stuff like that. Mm. And one of my big kind of gaps in my knowledge of cinema and, and culture is Woody Allen. I've never seen a Woody Allen film. Um, Me neither. Yeah, and with, so. the, with the knowledge of today, I'm unlikely to ever bother to sit down and watch one. Me and obviously too. kind <laughs> of... Yeah. Diane Keaton kind of got her name partly from being in, mm. in or especially her name as a comedic actress, being in like Annie Hall and films like that for Woody Allen. Yeah. Uh, she was also in The Godfather. Uh, was she? Yeah, she was also in The Godfather and stuff like that. But as a, as a comedic actress, mm. she, she's known for, uh, for the Woody Allen movies. And I found her, for the first probably half of the film, I found her character quite irritating. Mm. I'd struggled to really, un- like, I, I don't know, I didn't like her very much in it. Whereas Bette Midler is incredibly funny from the very start she's so i think she's probably my favorite thing in it she's so so funny yeah Yeah. um just like i mean it's yeah like the line where she sees jessica parker in the in the clothes shop and she's like can you have brought her an entire dress um and then goldie horn is also she's probably the second best thing in it she is really really funny really because the other main thing i've seen her in is uh death becomes her yeah, and it's interesting that my main kind of experience with Goldie Horn has been her playing characters that are obsessed with them with aging and not being ugly. Mm. Where she's be- yeah. very beautiful, she's incredibly beautiful, so she shouldn't have to worry too much about that. I don't know what I'm trying to say with that, but it's just it's an interesting Aww. thing that she seemed to be getting cast mm. in those roles a lot in the nineties. I don't quite know why she was sort of I don't know mm. I don't know. Anyway, she's very funny in it as well. So yeah, um, it's. It's a good film. I liked it. It was funny. I never thought I would ever watch it. My my knowledge of it always came from seeing it in Blockbuster all the time as a child um, and knowing mm. the cover of the poster, but not having seen the film. Um, but, yeah, it's good. It's funny. Maggie Smith's pretty funny in it, pretty good in it. Um, they It's got a nice thing at the end where they ultimately use the money they get off their husbands to open a, um, a woman's centre in New York. Yeah. which is which is nice and it's just kind of quite a nice it didn't blow me away it didn't change my life or anything but it's a funny yeah. movie with a nice message at the end but yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you watched it i feel like it's a film that needs to be watched just because of the fun of it yeah definitely but i also it you know it is it is nice at mm. the like i feel like the message at the end i feel like it's got a good message to it um, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't go all in on the message. It's not like a big message movie. It's not a drama about like women being um, abused or anything like that. But mm. it just. It's just. It's just nice. It just has. It just all wraps itself up quite nicely. And, and yeah, no, it's a good film. Yeah. But although I didn't finish to say that I did warm up to Diane Keaton by the end, but I really did. Good. I really did find her irritating for the first uh, mm. forty-five minutes or so. I think that was the point, I think, because yeah. I was like, oh, oh, goodness. And then... Also, sorry, I keep cutting you off, but you'll be interested uh. in this. The woman who is her therapist, who then um, her husband leaves her for her. Do you, do you know yeah. that actress? Yeah? Yeah. She is the woman in the mist that is the religious lunatic yeah. who gets... Yeah. yeah. 
Isn't that yeah. crazy? She's a That's good actor. That's crazy. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, I need to watch The Mist again. That's such a good film. Yeah, it's a brilliant, perfect movie. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Should we move into our top wow. five? Oh, no. Can we finish uh, the episode here today? Really? Yeah. Oh, you mean... All right, sorry. <laughs> I thought you just meant you want to you pause recording for some reason. No, 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 no. It was... Uh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Oh, yeah, no, so no. top five. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Top five 90s bands we're going to talk about today. Yes, indeedy. What were, before we get into it, what were, what were our rules? Okay, so um, I started writing all the stuff that I listened to from the 90s. And then I was like, I cannot make a top five out of this. So my rules, I say, we, we have different rules, don't we? we? We didn't establish the same rules, did we? Uh, we sort of broadly established that. Ah, the... yeah, the 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 common rules were George. Yeah. They had to had, well, they had to be popular in the nineties. Yeah. So, for example, there were some bands that maybe started in the seventies but reached their peak in the nineties, so that was acceptable. Hmm. And what else? Well, broadly, we initially started by saying that they had to have released their debut album in the nineties, but then that cut out. Yeah. That cut a out too many people, so bands. it was but but either their debut album had to be released by nineteen eighty seven or they just had to be by some of a metric defendable as a nineties band. Like for yeah. example, Pulp um started in like nineteen seventy eight, but they really weren't successful until the nineties when they put out uh, misshapes and different class and stuff. So you you can't argue that Pulp aren't a nineties band. It would be ridiculous. So they would count mm. based on that. Yeah. If you see what I Absolutely. mean. Absolutely. So well, those were the rules that we established. Yes. The rules I'd established for myself, oh, because okay. if not, I wouldn't be able to cope, were that I put my list today is things that I listened to in the 90s. Okay. I didn't listen to music in the 90s, so I couldn't do that. Yeah. But yeah, fun times. Yeah, fun times. So Where Shall we start? Yeah, go. Number five. Okay. So my number five. Hurry up, come uh, on, let's go, do it. Oh, go, go and eat a peanut, okay? <laughs> okay, so my first band, since in the nineties, uh, I was still living in Italy. My first band is an Italian band. Okay. Um, my sister and I owned the, I think, the three audio cassettes of this band. Right. And we love them. <laughs> You're not going to know them. No. Nobody def- knows them outside of Italy. But they're amazing. I was listening to them today and it was super fun. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a band uh, formed by uh, a guy called Max Pizzali and uh, a guy called Mauro Repetto and they're called Otto Otto Tre, which means? What do you think it means? Otto Otto Tre. Yeah. Um, free Otters. No, uh, 883. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, they were f- uh, fans of motorbikes, uh, especially of Harley Davidson. And uh, the group is uh, called after the 883cc Harley Davidson Sportster. 
cool. which is fun. Uh, yeah, and um, so uh, they they got they got famous with this song called uh, "They Killed Hanno Ucciso L'Uomo Ragno," which is called "They Have Killed Spider Man." Okay. Yeah, and I was obsessed with this band, and me and my sister and I just listened to them constantly, and they were amazing, and they're. I think it's the only thing that I can relate to me and other people in Italy now. Mm. So, like, you know that every Italian person that grew up in the 90s knows this band and knows all the songs. And today I was listening to them and I could, I remembered the song. I haven't listened to them, like, I can tell you, probably in 20 years. And today I was just like... <laughs> singing these songs and they were fun and they were silly and I uh, that's why I put them in and yeah 883 883 and for anybody that's listening listen to them because they're so 90s and the, the, well, all their work is on Spotify so if anybody is interested it might be your homework you never know we'll see yeah <laughs> yeah I definitely know your response after you listen to this, but I had to put him in because I thought, yeah, 90s. Booyah. <laughs> 8 <laughs> No, that's fair. I've never, ever, well, obviously I've never heard of them. So it's no. an interesting one for everyone will be yeah. new to them. What also I was thinking, should I put them in? Because nobody will know apart from my sister who listens. And I thought, well, yeah, might be something new that people listen to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good to get new things and not just things that everyone yeah. knows, which is what my list yeah. is. <laughs> cool. Number five, 883. What's your number five, G? Oh, my number five, Alex, is a band who were, I think, one of the first bands that I declared to be my favourite band. Ooh. Yeah, they're still going today. They put out their first album in the 90s. And yeah. it was notable because the lead singer performed every instrument on that album and didn't actually get a band together until the second album. Ooh. Yeah, and people might know at this point that I'm talking about the band. Yeah. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl's epic um, rock group that have rocked us solidly since the 90s all the way up now until 2021 because yeah. they I think by the time people hear this their new album will be out which is called Medicine at Midnight so they really are yeah. still going strong um, they're awesome what to say about the Foo Fighters uh, the first Foo Fighters album I ever listened to was Echoes, Silence, Patience and Grace which is the one that the uh, Pretender was the big single off yeah. what if I say I'm not like the others what the if others. such a incredible yeah. like, I remember hearing that song and being like this is music <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid thing to yeah. say. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're just great. I mean, Dave Grohl yeah. is famously the nicest man in, in rock music. He's oh, a, he's he always delightful whenever you see him being interviewed. He just comes across like just a lovely guy. And yeah. um, they just write ca catchy, fun, mm -hmm. hooky rock music. Um, yeah. And recently, I think when they were coming around to saying they were going to put out a new album again, I listened to them a lot uh, late last mm. year. And I just love, I love all of it from the newest stuff that people are a bit down on all the way back to the first album, um, Foo Fighters, which is really scrappy and kind of garagey. Mm. It's all, it's all solid stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I love them. I love them. They're well yeah. known, but if you've never listened to Foo Fighters and you like rock music, then I, I don't know. You just woke up from a long sleep, but you should listen to them. 
Yeah, no, they're great. Like, uh, I, yeah, I didn't, I love Foo Fighters, but I didn't start listening to them until much later. Mm. Um, I think the first song I've ever heard of them was Learn to Fly. Oh, which yeah. Which was in uh, their second or third album. Third album. I think it's on There Is Nothing yeah. Left to Lose. Yeah, it was like like a really big hit in Italy, but um, I didn't really get into them until later, so I couldn't put them in. Yeah, because my first list was like, you know, probably the same as yours, and I thought, nah, nah, I'm going to leave those people for another time. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what time is that? Like top five rock bands. Okay, cool, cool. Top five... Foo Fighters songs. Oh, what a good, what a good episode that'll be. So yeah, no, that that's my number five, the Foo Fighters, or just Foo Fighters. I think they prefer to be known. Um, yeah, they're lovely we and wonderful. Saw them together, we did see them together. That was one of the best gigs I've ever seen ever. When yeah. he had a broken yeah. leg, yeah. and I was like about yes. six feet away from him, and um, they performed times like these at the inauguration event and dedicated it to teachers, which was a nice touch. Oh, American teachers, but um, I think teachers all across the world can share in the uh, yeah. in the love. So yeah, yeah, all good stuff. Because we're not having the greatest time. Thank you, Dave Grohl. Yes, times like these are tough. So, how about number cool. four? Number four. Uh, this uh, number four is another a uh, band that I listen to it uh, a lot, and I listen to it a lot this uh, week as well. And I know I uh, found out about them in one of my trips to England in the summer mm. from a Smash Hits magazine. Uh, people still bought magazines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is a, a band from Australia called Savage Garden. Okay. Yes. Um, I think Garden. I actually owned the CDs of Savage Garden, but I owned both CDs of... They only released two CDs. Uh, and I owned both CDs um, and uh, they were scratched by the end because I listened to them so much. Um, do you know them? Did, did they do that song about being a butterfly? Or is that somebody else? I think, I don't, I don't know. They, they did To the Moon and Back? Oh, no, I, d- oh, I don't know them. I don't know them. To the Moon and Back if you be... No, I'm thinking of a different band. I'm thinking of like a kind of bad new metal-y type band. Oh, no, 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 no. These these are like pop. Okay. Like this is stuff that I listened to when I was in my, when I was like 14. No, I don't Nine. know. I, don't, I do not know. I've heard the name Savage Garden, but I don't know them at all. But yeah, so they're they're like a pop is it like pop music, very catchy. They kind of had some kind of eighties vibes to them, kind of like a little bit like Tears for Fears. In fact, they're only a duo. Um, really, really good and fun. Most of their songs about kind of love and uh, love, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, and that's it really about them. They were really. Uh, really good to listen to, easy to listen to. I I like them still. Like I like eight eight three. I hadn't listened to them in a while, and I thought they're really good. And um, yeah. What else can I say about them? That's it, really. No, Maybe you know truly madly deeply. 
I'd be your dream, I'd be your wish, I'd be your fantasy. No. I'd be your hope. Up. No. Okay. No. Uh, but Maybe yeah, I'd be your butterfly, sugar, baby. I'd be your butterfly. Um, but I think they were really popular in the UK, and that's how I know them, just from the UK. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they were so popular in uh, Italy, but um, they're from uh, Down Under. Nice. Savage Garden. Savage La Belle Savage Garden. La Belle Savage Garden. I like it. Nice. Yeah. So, my number four is uh, an iconic band from the 90s, released their first album Mm. in 1991. They helped form a new genre of music called grunge. Grunge? Grunge in the 90s. They are, I think they're from Seattle, right? Yeah, they are Seattle's own Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. I nice. love Pearl Jam quite mm. a bit. They are, um, it's mainly, unlike the Foo Fighters, the later Pearl Jam stuff doesn't quite do it as much for me, although Backspacer is a very good album from 2009. But definitely like that first run of albums, especially their first album, 10, and their second album, VS. In fact, 10 is a really popular one, but I prefer Versus. Like that's one of my favourite albums is Versus by Pearl Jam. Uh, it's got songs like mm. Daughter and um, it's got a song called Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town or something like that on it, which is a great mm. song. Um, yeah, it's great. And they're just really, I think the thing with Pearl Jam ultimately is that this lead singer, Eddie Vedder, has one of the best voices that has ever graced music. It is truly yeah. a thing to behold. It is so beautiful and gorgeous. And unlike Foo Fighters, they're on that. They're one of those bands that I love. That's on that list of bands I've never seen live. Um, and I really hope I can change that at some point. Um, okay. But yeah, how what what kind of experience do you have with Pearl Jam? Um, Pearl Jam was really big in Italy. I can see uh, that. I've I've listened to it at friends' house, but um, it was um, it was kind of um, not. I didn't have good experiences with them, with the people that listened to them in Italy. I could kind of, yeah, um, that was a bit like, in, and s- yeah. Yeah, and I feel like if you listen to Pearl Jam, you couldn't, you couldn't really be the person that I was. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And so I, I just associated Pearl Jam with those kind of people. And although I listened to it in them, and I, I, I completely agree. Uh, is, is he Ed Vedder? Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder has got a great voice. Um, I have never listened to an album, and I might do actually, because um, you know, I'm an adult I'm an adult now and I can listen to whatever I want without having the t shirt or being, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely yeah. had a um and they're not on my list because I don't like them quite as much as Pearl Jam, but like my opinion of Nirvana in when I was in school was tainted mm-hmm. by the fact that the people in my class that listened to Nirvana were the worst people. <laughs> I didn't like them at all. Yeah. So I was. I never really. And I do like Nirvana now. But like, I mm. think that your experience with Pearl Jam was more similar to my experience with mm. Nirvana of being like that guy has a Nirvana shirt on all the time, and I don't like him. Um, yeah. Whereas Pearl Jam, I never. I don't think they were really popular in my kind of age group until I. And yeah, so I discovered them kind of on my own a bit when I got older. But yeah, they're cool, and you can watch on YouTube a video. I think it's from the nineties of them performing at a festival somewhere, and Eddie Vedder. You know, massive festival stages have got this huge rigging that goes all the way to the top and along and stuff. Eddie Vedder, yeah. with, a, with a microphone that's on a cable, climbs this entire 
scaffolding all the way to the top, then clambers into the, across it to the middle of the stage, and then like hangs off it by his legs and carries on singing the song into the microphone, hanging upside down like twenty feet up in the air. I don't think he does that anymore, but um, it's an incredible video to watch if you find that. I might try and link to that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they were they were a pretty cool band. So yeah, Pearl Jam. That's my number four. Okay. My number three is a band that you will know. Oh, it uh, it's um, it's it changed the course of history. <gasps> it's formed by five incredible women. And, oh, oh! Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was formed in 1994, and uh, it they're uh, formed by, you know, um, what are their names? Are we talking about Posh? See. Yeah, okay. Victoria Peckham, Pe- Jerry Halliwell, Beckham, uh, Melanie B, and Emma Bunton. Do you know the band I'm talking about? Um, you're talking about S Club Seven, aren't you? Yeah, S Club. Sorry, that was no, mean. I'm talking about the the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls. They are. They changed my life. Yeah, the Spice Girls. Uh, another trip in the summer to um, to England, and the song "Wannabe" was everywhere. And yeah, yeah, he hadn't arrived in Italy, and I was like, "What? What is this?" The video was on TV. I was mesmerized. I was in love, and it was amazing. The Spice Girls. Uh, so yeah, the Spice Girls are a British girl band uh, formed in 1994. Uh, had five amazing women uh one you know uh, uh there was uh, mel b who was scary spice uh mel melanie mel c who was sporty spice emma bunton baby spice jerry hallowell ginger spice and victoria beckham which is posh spice mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh yeah they they had really amazing songs they were different from anything that i had ever seen before i fell in love the moment i saw them like i remember uh when when was the first when was wannabe um released so it's 1996 so i was 11 yes and, you know, this single came out and I thought it was amazing. And that was just like, wow. Bought the CD. I had both CDs because they released two CDs uh, of when I liked them, uh, which um, because I didn't really. Yeah. So when there were five, they released two CDs, Spice in 1996 and Spice World in 1997. Uh, but then Jerry Halliwell left and then they released another CD, in two, another album in 2000. But I didn't I wasn't interested. And then I started listening to corn by then but uh <laughs> yeah and uh um they they were formed uh by auditioning a bit like x factor you know but not televised and uh the because they were trying to find a band that would uh, be a competition or like you know a female competition to take that mm. and he's 17 and they managed and they yeah, became a yeah, <laughs> they became an incredible sensation. And 
they'll always be remembered in history, uh, Spice Girls. And I, I love them. I love their songs. I watch their films. I, 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 I love them. And I still love them. Like, I still sometimes listen to them and I think they're incredible. Did you ever, when in, in the 90s, did you ever, like, listen to them or hear them? Uh, well, they were everywhere. Yeah, so no, absolutely, n- absolutely not. I did not listen to them in, <laughs> by choice, but they were so inescapably popular in the 90s yeah it was it was ridiculous they were literally i couldn't stop hearing them uh i remember being a you know i didn't like music very much so i i didn't really i i I found them quite irritating i think at the time i don't find them irritating Mm. today obviously but um yeah at the time i remember being like can we just stop talking about wanting to be lovers and zigger zigars and stuff and get back to super mario and sonic the hedgehog please but yeah, but they are they are they are iconic. They are his history making yeah. band. Like they're still some of yeah. the records they set in terms of single sales and stuff like that. I think are still held today or until recently at least. And like they are ridiculously successful. And they re- when they reformed a couple of years ago, and did a tour, they were playing oh. you know football stadiums and things, and they still yeah. had thousands and thousands of people yeah. going to see them. Um, yeah, they are a big big deal. And rightfully so, because yeah. you know they they are good tunes. Um, so my number three is pretty yeah. similar to your number three, actually. Oh, yeah, pretty much the same. It's the progressive metal group Tool. <laughs> wow, exactly yeah. the oh, same. Exactly like the Spice Girls. Wh- which one is the sporty one? And um, which one is the scary one? Uh, the singer is the scary one. <laughs> And I think the sporty one is probably the drummer because uh, a lot of work to do in that band if you're on drums. Nice. Yeah, so Tool are a uh, group from America. They are sort of progressive metal group, which really should be the first reason that I don't listen to them because I don't really listen to much prog rock kind of stuff, you know, like mm. Yes and King Crimson and all that stuff. Mm. But tool are one of those bands where when i first started listening to music and getting and doing my own explorations and going to fop and buying cds and stuff they had just put out the album Ten Thousand days in 2006 and Mm. i bought that album and i listened to it and i really liked it and i think i i think i listened to them just after they headlined the download festival in 2006 and I listened okay. to that song, that album, 10,000 Days, and I was like, I like this band. They're really good. I'm, I'm going to listen to them a lot. And then I started going to gigs, and I was always like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to seeing Tool when they come back. Do you know when they release their next album after after that? <laughs> when? 2019. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's so. Fu- what? My they released in... only two albums? No, 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 because they, they released albums in the 90s, obviously. That's why I... Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, but Sorry. what I'm saying is I got into them in 2006 and liked them quite a lot yeah. and was like, oh, they're going to be a band that I like and they'll release new songs and, I'll, and you know, I'll, I'll follow them. And then they just did nothing for about, um, what, 13 years? Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, but then they came back in 2019 with a new album called Fear Inoculum and they headlined Download Festival mm. again. They literally they played in the UK headlining Download and then they didn't play in the UK. They played in America quite a bit, but they didn't perform in the UK again until they headlined Download again about 13 years yeah. later. And I finally got to see them live and it was worth it completely. I adored it. They're quite controversial live because they don't do 
they don't let them film them and put the video of them on the big screens. You know, like you normally get at a festival. Ah, okay. They just play. Yeah. They just play basically the music videos for the songs on the screens. So if you want to actually, I know it's a bit. This is this is the thing. This is exactly the thing. So if you so, actually want to see them performing, you have to get quite near the front. So I I've seen people complaining who were at that download who like were like near the back and just were like, why am I just watching a bunch of music videos? Which is totally fair, but I was at the front and I it was oh, it was so it was amazing it was so so good. Um, That's really selfish though, because I'm really little, and I don't like being at the front because I know that I'm gonna get squished. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Nobody's gonna see me, and they're gonna trample on my face. Yeah. So, like, I usually stay at the back, on the side, so I can like escape easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, how are they gonna? I, I, I survive on those screens. <laughs> like, those are my. Yeah. <laughs> those are yeah. my things for gigs. Yeah. yeah. Like that's really mean. Yeah. For little people. Sure. They're, yeah. they're... <laughs> but I'm not a little person. I don't care. I loved it. So. I know. Yeah, then, you're one of those people that's in front of me who like puts the elbows in my face. In addition to um, them yeah. not putting out an album between 2006 and 2019, what also happened in those mm. years was that streaming became a thing and Spotify came out Ooh. and music w- went on Spotify. Tool were basically the last band to put their music on Spotify. They didn't put any music on Spotify or any streaming services until 2019 for various... Jeez for various frustrating reasons. So like they, they genuinely have this thing where I liked them, but I just never listened to them because I, you know, it got to a point where I didn't sit and listen to a CD. I would put on music from my phone and I was never able to really play tool properly. So then last year when they put all of their stuff up on Spotify, I listened to it properly for the first time and I massively, massively fell in love with it from their first album undertow, which is pretty a bit more straightforward metal. There's a great song in there called sober, all the way through to um, you know their most recent album, Fear and Oculum, which is only like I think it's like six actual songs on it, and they're each like ten minutes long, kind of thing. Um, mm. Yeah, I love I love Tool. I think that Maynard James Keenan, who sings for them, has one of the best voices in rock music, which I think is why I got into them because I wouldn't normally get into bands with like really long songs and all this kind of like quite aggressive mm. kind of stuff behind the scenes. But just hearing his voice in combination with some of the, the kind of mad music that they put on behind it, I just adore it. I really, really, really love Tool quite a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, they're great. Have you ever listened nice. to them at all? No. No. Never. Like, no. Fair enough. I don't know if they were popular here. Oh, I think I've heard them from you. I think that's the first time. It's not something, they've never been on my radar. Your friend or... Rowan likes them a lot. That's where I heard them from. Yeah, probably. Rowan. Yeah. So, yeah, no, not really a big... I never heard of at all. Interesting. Interesting. They're very... It's very... Yeah, it's so a I lot of, like, time... Sig- Did you see my friend or our friend? Well, our friend, Rowan, obviously. Sorry, Rowan. Yeah, come on. But, now I mean, you... You would have... When when he would have told you about Tool, he would have been just your friend, I imagine, is why I said that, if you yeah. see what I mean. Oh. Um... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of time sig- like it's a lot of stuff that people who are very musical will will appreciate because it's time signatures. Okay. Time signatures change. Like they have a song uh, where the time signature changes in the song in line with the Fibonacci sequence. Like they've got a lot of like, and like you know people who enjoy going to other states of consciousness and things like that really like them, which is mm-hmm. totally not my scene at all. Again, I I shouldn't really be the kind of audience for Tool, but I just for some reason I am. I love them. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm. What's your number two? My number two is my second uh, pop 
mega pop group. I don't know, maybe my third, obviously my fourth. No, whatever. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I'm just going to carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my number two is like, I had to put him in. I don't listen to them anymore, but I was obsessed with them in the 90s, pretty much until like 1999. <laughs> right. Let me just check a second. No, this is Incubus. Oh, they're good. Ah, uh, oh, they're so good. But I didn't start listening to them until after the 90s. So I, I pretty much listened to... I, I had all their albums until 1999. And then I was like, nah, uh, this is it. But if you saw my 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 room in the 90s, they had uh, pictures. Like my, my side of the bedroom was just posters of them. Mm. Which um, I thought, well, I have to put them in. And they were incredible. And I, you know, I was a kid and I loved them. And it's a boy band. Uh, and it is not Take That, though. And they're uh, the Backstreet Boys. Okay. Um, I, well, George, when I tell you that I was obsessed with them, I was obsessed with them. Right. Like, I had everything about them like i was a proper fangirl which is embarrassing because after that i've never been a fangirl <laughs> at all they're pretty that. good but like, i had backstreet back back they were amazing backstreets back all right right all right that's a brilliant song like i don't know I, I, I'll, hold, such... I'll hold it up for the backstreet boys i think they're pretty good yeah 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 i'm not saying that i'm not happy about me putting them on my list is the fact the obsession I had with them their obsession like because it was so popular there used to be like competitions uh to like have something signed and I would I would uh, uh, enter the competitions I had I told you my my room was full of their posters I had all their albums I had video cassettes of their concerts crazy yeah about like you and the idols now <laughs> and I I once watched. Ah, oh, just it was just embarrassing. Like I'm, it's embarrassing now because I was a, a total fan girl, and I loved them. And I think they were great, and they were they they had good music, and uh, their songs were fun, and uh, yeah, they were amazing. Name every single member and right now. Okay, Nick, Howie, AJ, Brian, and Kevin. Okay, you can keep your best. Brian and Kevin were cousins. <laughs> And uh, Kevin was the uh, the oldest one with the, like the raspy voice, uh, yeah. And I was in love with Nick Carter. One day we were going to get married. We never did. Uh, <laughs> did they have a sort of rivalry uh, with NSYNC, or was that too late? Well, to... uh, in my school, you either liked NSYNC or you liked Backstreet Boys. Right. Uh, when Backstreet Boys were really big, I was in middle school. Yeah. And uh, I remember going first year of middle school and, uh, you know, this girl was like, I love NSYNC. And I was like, they suck. I love Backstreet Boys. I didn't even know <laughs> NSYNC at the time. I didn't even care because Backstreet Boys was my, you know, for, a f for two or three years, they were my thing. Yeah. And um, yeah. And uh, the amazing thing of the band is they were much bigger in Europe than they were in America because... Mm. Uh, like they were in German, <laughs> the, well, they, they, the first place they were really big was Germany. Mm. And then they got to Italy and then the rest of the world. But they were huge in Europe. And I didn't, and they, they kind of fed to uh, some, you know, European music thing. And I feel like also the 90s boy band, I think you cannot 
really have it anymore because we I don't know I, f- I feel like maybe we took them more seriously than what boy bands are taking now you know what I mean yeah I mean I think the was One Direction the last really big boy band yeah yeah but also go I feel like they're kind of embarrassed of being in a boy band while mm. I feel like Backstreet Boys were like owned being in a boy band yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah maybe we are the boy band and I feel One Direction they tried really hard at one point to kind of completely take that boy band uh, feel out of them mm. but I feel like Backstreet Boys were the boy band you know and they're still a boy band they're still going are they? <laughs> you know I haven't li- yeah I haven't listened to them Good but Lord. apparently they're still going wow uh, since 1993 they've been active since ni- 1993 since present they have a few albums so I I had three albums Backstreet Boys Backstreet's Back and Millennium and then they have one, two, three, four, five, six. They released an album two years ago. Wow. Crazy. I did like, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I feel, I feel like that's pretty cool because, you know, they did, they did kind of have a hiatus. They kind of like broke up for a little bit. And, you know, one of them is, was an alcoholic. Still, I don't know if he still is. But uh, I just love them. And Backstreet's Back rocked my world it's a bit like wannabe when i saw that video which was amazing uh because in the 90s my my tv was mtv i loved mtv and that's what my that was where i got all my music a lot of my music you know inspiration and um when mtv used to be good because there wasn't stuff like reality tv Mm. which now is all mtv is but in the 90s, MTV, at least in Italy, was all about music. And when I watched Backstreet's Back, Back, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do you know the video? They're all in a haunted house. It's like the haunted house. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a brilliant video. Yeah, and it's like a seven-minute video. I've shown my kids now in 2020, and they think it's amazing, and they love the song. You know, It's a brilliant song, and it's a really good video. It's a brilliant song, and I was like, if I'm going to go down this route where I'm going to put <laughs> stuff that I listened to in the 90s, Backstreet Boys have to be there. No, that's fair. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. Backstreet's back. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number two, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Why do they not put the? Because I want to say the Backstreet Boys, but it's just Backstreet Boys. I want to say the Fugees, but it's just Fugees. I want to say the Foot Foot Fighters. Um, Why is it the? I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's like a they're only allowed so many thes, and all of the bands have taken them all. It's probably that, like the Smashing Pumpkins. Is it or is it just Smashing Pumpkins? I don't know actually. The. The there is a band called the the so maybe they've got the extra there's maybe maybe they are the Smashing Pumpkins yeah I know well they all the bands I've seen on Wikipedia they can be the Smashing Pumpkins or Smashing Pumpkins so they're Backstreet Boys or the Backstreet Boys so it depends on who you are okay so so yes sorry number two my num- number two oh, my number two is. The Eternal Burning Flame, I adore it, but I hate it. And every time I touch it, it burns and upsets me. (laughs) What? My number two is the pop rock group Weezer. Weezer! Weezer. Of course. I hate Weezer so much. 
but I love them. Why do you hate them? Because they just you don't have to hate them. They put out well, they've, so much. They've released only one good album, but yeah, that's not right. that is not true. But they put out. <laughs> They just like they just they they just so in ridiculous like they put out like a few years ago like Weezer I mean Weezer are big because of the nineties because they released the Blue album uh, which has the song Buddy Holly on it which is like psh, you know everybody knows Buddy Holly Ooh you I look just like Buddy Holly Oh oh and you married Talamore I don't anyway great song. And then they did uh, Pinkerton, yeah. which was like kind of like uh, where he went really self-reflective with his lyrics, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of started emo. Like emo is kind of because of Pinkerton, like in a way, and definitely is one of the defining like th- things that sort of came before emo. Um, but it did, that album did incredibly badly, so they disappeared for the rest of the nineties, and then came back in the early noughties with the Green album which is when uh, Rivers Cuomo, the singer from Weezer, had decided to, um, instead of ever bearing his own soul on record again, mm. because everyone... Because it, it was a bit... It must have been horrible for him. He made this album, Weezer, with Buddy Holly on it, where all the songs are just kind of pop songs. They're not about him specifically, and, but everybody loves it. So then he's like, for the follow-up, I'll write music about myself and how I feel about the world and my own feelings and struggles. And everyone mm. hated it. So he must have been like, right, people just like the music I can write, but they don't like me, so I'll I'll never do that again. So then the Green album comes out. I love that album. I know, so like, do I. And like so good. People tell him all the time now that they love that album, but he just doesn't seem to have got the... Anyway, the Green album was where he had, he had come up with like a, a formula for how to write a pop song, and every song on the album is follows this formula exactly, and in so much as I think it's that the... Every song on it has a guitar solo that copies the melody from the chorus or something like like it's it's totally like factory produced music and it's not it's not a Weezer album I ever listened to. But ever since then they've kind of veered between him threatening to do personal music again and then writing pop music. And they did an album a few years ago called Everything Will Be Alright in the End, where the lead single is called Back to the Shack and the the lyrics are like, you know, Maybe we should go back, back to the shack, back to the strap with the lightning strap, which is like his iconic guitar. Maybe I should, um, maybe Pat should play guitar and I should, um, Pat should play the drums and I should play guitar. Like they did this album, it was basically like, sorry for being kind of poppy for years and stuff, we're going to go back. And this album's amazing and really crunchy and rocky. And then they followed it up immediately with like another ridiculous pop album. And it's like, what are you doing? Like you, you, <laughs> you keep giving fans what you want and then you take it away from yeah. them again. And just to be a Weezer yeah. fan is just this cycle of self-loathing <laughs> and despair. <laughs> but also, I realised today when I was thinking about how to do my list and who to put on my list, that I have very strong opinions on the bonus tracks from their Red album. And if you have strong opinions on the bonus tracks from an album that nobody else has heard of, then they're probably one of your favourite <laughs> bands. Yeah, Like, I'm like... Miss yeah. Sweeney and Pig and King should be on the album, and they and why aren't they on the album? Why are they only bonus tracks? And it's like, right, well, if if that's my opinion, if I if I know enough about them to think that to have that thought in my mind, then you know, obviously they're one of my favorite bands. This by the time this album comes out, they'll have put out a new album called Okay Human, which is one of their only albums. Like it doesn't have this album is out next week from when we're recording, but it's not going to have any electric guitar on it. It's all kind of piano and string based. The strings were recorded at Abbey Road Studios. It's based on like Harry Nilsson albums in the 60s and 70s, sort of soft mm. pop rock stuff. They've already put out one uh, single from it called All My Favourite Songs. 
And yeah. for me, they're back in the good side because I really like that single and I'm really intrigued to hear what this album is going to sound like because it's going to be quite different from anything they've done before, it seems. But then in May, mm. they're putting out an album called Van Weezer. And if OK Human is obviously a kind of OK computer Radiohead reference, although the album's more about being not computery and sort of analogue, Van Weezer is a total Van Halen reference and that album is going to be full of guitar solos and an 80s-style rock so we'll see what happens with that but um yeah i can't deny that i adore them and you know their two best albums pretty much are both really were both released in the 90s because the blue album is brilliant and then pinkerton is obviously their best album so yeah that's weezer you've listened to a bit of weezer yes yeah i i love pinkerton and i love I really like the album of covers they did, which I can't remember the name. It's the Teal album. The Teal album. I thought that was really good because um, I think we spoke about it before. And I, when you told me that they did an album of covers, I was just like, oh, God, stop. <laughs> stop doing things. But then it was amazing. Um, yeah. I loved their covers. Uh, I did not enjoy... Well, I, oh, I don't know. The, the new song they released... Uh, from the album that's going to come out, Okay Human. What's the song called? My favorite, so- all my favorite songs. All my favorite songs. Yeah, I felt like, like I told you, um, via text, but I, I felt like the. It doesn't match their ages. Like I feel like they're not aging well. Like they're aging and they're in their fifties and they're writing songs that feel a little bit childish. Um, I, I, you know, I felt like maybe in Pinkerton he was more mature it felt more mature than this and you know um yeah so i don't know yeah well if you want to be ageist about it then that's fine no no it's not i want to be ageist i feel it's just the thing you (laughs) i feel it could do better if you can make an album like pinkerton i feel like you can make a better a better choices yeah well welcome to being everybody uh, welcome to being a weezer fan if you want them to do stuff like pinkerton again because it's just not gonna happen yeah yeah um but for for my money i don't know i i they're always gonna do lyrics the way they do them in in this and stuff Mm. like that they're always just gonna sound like that and you know yeah there are bands like the national that grow old gracefully and sing about mature themes and then there's weezer who are always going to sing about being alone in the corner at a party whether you're 20 or 50 and i i don't know like like you say they're not as mature lyrics but i like the lyrics in that song because i kind of feel the feelings that he describes in the song if you see what i mean mm, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm, yeah i'm i guess so i'm not as young as pinkerton either but that's no it. no but i don't know i just i just felt like i i was kind of enjoying the song and then i saw him sing it and i was like oh Oh no, no! I don't know why my brain just went no. Just, just, just be more mature, man. But maybe, maybe just. I don't. Maybe I need to just. I think people can just should be free know. to just do what they want, though. I don't really. Oh, absolutely, like... absolutely. I don't know what it is because I feel like I never had a reaction that way with a song. Yeah. Like I never. It was the first time that I was just like listening to a song, and it's kind of uh, maybe because it's quite a simple song and it's not like that memorable. Like I don't even remember how it goes now. Um, but I don't know, it just panned to him and I was like, oh, 
It just felt like it didn't match the person. That's the only thing that I had. I felt not that you, you can sing whatever you want at whatever age. I felt like the song didn't match the person and the band. I felt like like train. Do you know the band the 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 duo I think is a train? Who did um yeah i i do i think yeah i know train yeah and like i feel like that song doesn't match the guys yeah yeah. maybe i've had it before we train i just thought about train because it's like they're i don't know i'm like oh don't sing just sing something different and and it had the same reaction with with weezer i don't know why I don't know why, but me, I'll I'll listen to it again, and I will I will I'm I'm always open to enjoy them <laughs> because I love Pinkerton so much. I remember when I listened to Pinkerton, I listened to about like a hundred times in a week because I loved it, and I love the song about Japan. Oh, oh my goodness! What was what does it say? You mean across the sea? You na, 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 na. I write this song. What did you say? You, you wrote, wrote your letter. letter. I wrote my song. You wrote me a letter. Yeah. I wrote your oh, song. I just. L- yeah, I just love that. Oh, I just love that song. Yeah. Even if, if, if people think it's creepy. <laughs> yeah, people know. do think it's creepy. <laughs> it is a bit creepy, but... How old was he when he wrote it? Oh, he'd have been in his early 20s. Yeah. And who's he writing to? Like, was it, like uh... a middle school Japanese student. Yeah, maybe a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's, cre- it's creepy. <laughs> I'm not going to defend it. Well, I don't know. Like, uh, it depends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful a, song and a beautiful album a beautiful that is song. full of complex emotions that aren't easily quantified as being, you know, appropriate or inappropriate or whatever. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a good. He he. Yeah, he's a he's a complex figure. Is Rivers Cuomo? Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Moving on. Uh, my number one, oh, number one from the nineties bands. 90s bands. Uh, so my number one 90s bands is uh, a girl group uh, from Atlanta uh, and it's called uh, TLC. Okay. Yes. Uh, so TLC is a band that was formed in the 1990s. Uh, they changed a little bit. Uh, they formed with different members, but the, la- le- the last uh, members were... Uh, I love their names. When when I start listening to them, I really lo- love their names. Um, Rosonda Chill Thomas, Tian Tebow's Watkins, and Lisa Left Eye Lopez. <laughs> uh, so the first song I listened of them was Waterfalls, um, and I loved the video on MTV, and I was mesmerized by them because they they looked a little bit different mm. and how they dressed and you know there wasn't like the girl power of like you know dressing up and but it was more like being a little bit cooler they were cool and i really enjoyed that about them and um and uh and then um and then i just my journey with them was through mtv uh listening to them because i couldn't find the al- like i never thought about buying the album here and i i listened to the albums later but i remember being obsessed with them uh on uh, on mtv and trying to listen to them as much as uh, possible and then i didn't buy the first two albums but i had the third album which was uh, fan mail uh which was released in 1999 uh, and then after I listened to like Crazy Sexy Cool, where Waterfall was in, 
but uh yeah they were incredible they were fun yeah it was like r&b so it was different style to what i was listening to but al- although i listened to it it was mainly male in italy like there was a lot of like r kelly and mm. uh boys to men and when i saw waterfalls like wow these girls are amazing and so i i just fell in love with them and then uh when um uh no scrubs came out uh which um is it no scrubs yeah no scrubs came out do you have, have you heard of it um well i would, my uh, experience I of tlc scrubs. is entirely weezer based ah okay oh yeah 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 cuz they did they did the um, the um, uh, I forgot they did the cover. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, um, Lisa Lefty Lopez, um, died. Um, and that's the other thing that kind of, I when she died in 2002, I was like really upset because mm. I, I never had, um, well, apart from being in the knowledge that Freddie Mercury had died and well, when I knew about Freddie Mercury, he was already dead. Yeah. And being devastated about that, like when she died, it was like the first, I think one of the first, the first time that was like, oh my God, like somebody that like I looked up to died and uh, she died in a car accident in Honduras, which was crazy. Um, And I heard it on the radio, which was insane. I was like, what? And um, yeah. And so I, I really, I really liked them and I really thought they were incredible and kind of like also game changers, really. Um, for me, not in general, because I'm pretty sure there have been like groups that um, uh, did things, but I feel like they also were bigger than other groups and had more input, mm. even though they had like not that many albums. But I, I love them. I still love them. I think they're still incredible. Mm. And um, after Lisa Left Lopez died, then they released another album called 3D and they kind of added her after. Right. Which was really lovely. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I've, I've literally only listened to the song that Weezer covered. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's a good I think, song. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is a really good song. No scrubs. That's from their second album. But I think uh, yeah, their first yeah, album, but... Crazy Sexy Cool, is really, really good. Is a guy who I think it's better. From me. Anyway, nice. Good choice. Strong. Thank you. TLC. Okay, cool. Yeah. So my number one band are a band that I... Uh, took me a while to get into. The first time I listened to this band, I thought they were awful and I hated them. <laughs> and I had to listen to their album about three or four times before I started to get it. Mm. And then they very quickly became... My favourite band for a long time. Um, They are the godfathers of being a sad white man radiohead. What? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, good choice. Thanks. Good, good choice. Um, Radiohead. Radiohead. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like at this point you either know them and you love them or you know that you don't yeah. like them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as Radiohead go, you know, in the 90s, they were doing kind of, they were kind of lumped in with Britpop and stuff. And then they started mm. to differentiate themselves more of OK Computer, where they brought in, you know, like mm. more unusual song structures and songwriting ideas. And then they just threw um, everything into a big bin and made Kid A, which is remains earning a a singular vision of perfection but like nothing like it had happened before or since really and then they followed up with amnesiac 
They went mm-hmm. back towards Rock with Hail to the Thief. Then mm. they kind of started the whole um, change in the music industry of like, why do we do albums? Why do we just release albums on CD and yeah. have people pay £10 for them with uh, in rainbows that they put out for free on the internet, which kind of, you know, Beyonce has since done that. And, you know, they kind of yeah. started that trend of releasing albums slightly differently and maybe not having the focus be on the product, but more on the kind of way it's put out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, since then they've done stuff like The King of Limbs and most recently A Moon-Shaped Pool. And I got into them, I think in, in Rainbows actually was when I got into them. I had already bought OK Computer oh, really? and hated it. Wow. And then In Rainbows came out and I downloaded mm. it for free because it was free. If You you could pay what you want. <laughs> and then I yeah. listened to it and thought it was OK. And then I went back to OK Computer mm. and didn't like it still. And I kind of bounced between the two before I finally like settled on adoring it. And um, yeah. yeah, I still do. And I think they're, like, they weren't in my top five bands list. And I think the only reason is I've listened to them so much over the years mm. that I, it's, it's not, I can't quite listen to them and love them as much now as I did when I first heard them, if you see what I mean, or when I first got into them. Yeah. Um, mm. But I do, I finally saw them live for the first time in like 2017, I think it was. Mm. And it was it was a transcendent experience, and I I just I I love them. I love them. I love Tom York's voice. I love the sounds that mm. jo- Johnny Greenwood makes with his guitar. I love Phil Selway's drumming, and mm. just the, the, they're great. I love all of it. I love everything they do. They're amazing. Yeah, they're a perfect band. They're a gorgeous, wonderful perfect. group yeah. of perfection. Yeah. And um, I think the only thing that frustrates me about them is that they go so quiet between album releases, like. I've not we've not heard anything from them for a couple of years now, and I'm just like, I want more Radiohead, please. Can we have a bit more Radiohead? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And they all go off and do like they were like uh, Ed O'Brien, I think. The the, the yeah, he just released an album. Yeah, he put out he? an album, and Tommy York mm-hmm. put out an album a couple of years ago and stuff. And they, you know, yeah. but I think that's why they've been able to last so long. Um, is because they allow each other to go off and do their own things and things like that. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. Yeah. They're a good group of good group of lads from Oxford. Yeah, no, they're awesome. I I love Radiohead. Probably not not working class enough for Seaford Mods, but who cares? Oh my goodness, Seaford Mods. (laughs) No, yeah, no, I got into Radiohead uh, like in probably 1999. I I know exactly when I got into Radiohead is when I started high school. Yeah. And people were not listening to Spice Girls. (laughs) People were not listening to Backstreet Boys. They were already listening to like proper like the, what they consider proper music and uh so then i made the shift that's fair natural shift <laughs> the natural shift from spy skills to radiohead yeah yeah, yeah absolutely mm. yeah well, it, it, it was it was it was a complete and utter boom done you know and the posters are off <laughs> sub yeah mm. goodbye nick yeah. hello tom tom you sexy beast. Um, <laughs> you beautiful man. Oh, nice. A nice listener. Thank you very much. So, do you want to run, run down your top five? Yes. Uh, top five. Number five. Eight, eight, three. Or otto, otto, tre. Italian band. Number four. Uh, Savage Garden. Number three. Spice Girls. Number two. Backstreet Boys. And number one. TLC. Nice. My top five was uh, number five, Foo Fighters, number four, Pearl Jam, number three, Tool, number two, Weezer, and number one, Radiohead. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Cheers. What, uh, do you have any honourable mentions, Alex? 
Uh, yeah, my honorable mentions are not as strict as my uh, <laughs> unhonorable mentions. Uh, I did not follow as much my rule because it's much easier and I don't have to choose five. Mm. So in my honorable mention, I put the ca- Cranberries uh, nice. from uh, Ireland. Incredible band. They were nearly on my top five because I was really obsessed with them. But I, I've never actually listened to albums of theirs. I just listened to songs because they, they were huge in Italy in the 90s. Interesting. Uh, the Cardigans, which mm. were a Swedish band. Um, I think the most famous song was probably Erase and Rewind. Um, Fugees. We talked about it before. Blur, mm-hmm. amazing bands, nice. but I really got into them in the in the two thousand. Oasis, are they a nineties band? Uh yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. Uh, Radiohead, take that. All Saints, All Saints were the bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny's Child, um, Smashing Pumpkins, um. Limp Biscuit, would they be like a two thousands band or a nineties? I mean, they started in the late nineties, but I would, okay. I was kind of saving them for noughties. But you can, you can mention them. Yeah, no, let's put them in noughties. And Corn. Well, Corn kind of started new metal, and they they came like their first album came out surprisingly early, like ninety four or something. Yeah, so really, exactly, you can call Corn a nineties band for sure. Like I think their big because... stuff came out in the nineties. Yeah, but I got into Corn when I was about. Yeah, probably 15, mm. 16. Yeah. Um, Rig, Rage Against the Machine. Would that be 90s? Uh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Foo Fighters, um, The Prodigy, Incubus, Teenage Fun Club, and that's it. Nice. I've never I've never listened yeah. to Teenage Fan Club at all. Are they good? Oh my goodness. You need to listen to the, I they nearly made my top five. I love them, but I I listened to them later, so I didn't put them. Fair dues. They're amazing. So minor <laughs> mentions. Uh first of all I've got a I've got a short list of bands I really wanted to put in my top five but just couldn't fit them in. And they were yeah. Rammstein, who I love. Ooh. Yeah. Oasis, uh, who I'm from Manchester yeah. and I really feel like I should have been having them in my top five, but I, they just didn't quite fit. Uh, but yeah, Oasis. Blink-182, who I love. and But I, that's the thing. I want to put Blink-182 in the noughties because the first, like, it's like 1999, isn't it? Uh, possibly, yeah. Which I think, again, I, is I why I didn't put them in my list because they feel a bit more noughties. Because yeah. I love Blink-182. Yeah, they're good. When was their first album? No, see, they released three albums in the 90s. Really? Yeah, yeah, Cheshire Cat, Dude Ranch, and Enemy of the State. So, The Prodigy. Yeah, they're really, you know, I love The Prodigy. And then, like, after my short list, I've just got a list of uh, Blur, Alice in Chains, Bonnie Prince Billy, Daft Punk, Deftones, Eels, Green Day, Sigur Ross, Smashing Pumpkins, Super Furry Animals, System of a Down, Wilco, No Doubt, and Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of them. Good. I'm glad. But I didn't put them in. <laughs> so, uh, that's I our... I completely forgot oh. about, about um, Daft Punk. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're, they're, oh they're cool. So. So, what... homework time. Yeah, what are you going to tell me to listen to? Oh, my goodness. Oh, the possibility at I endless. don't think I've listened to any oh. of the oil bands, so. No? Oh. Oh. Okay, well, I feel... 
that you will definitely enjoy um, TLC. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you'll like uh, the album Crazy Sexy Cool. Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's a good album. I'm on it. But I would like you to listen to 883 just to give me an opinion of like 90s Italian music. Okay, I will, I will listen to them as well. Okay, so for your homework, I think I'm going to say you need to listen to some Tool. Okay. Yeah, I'll be interested to know what you make of it. Um, yeah. I guess I guess I should tell you an album from the nineties, right? So they yes, their please. second album, nineteen ninety six, is Anima, and it's spelt very weirdly because the first letter is like an A and an E combined together, and then N I M A, Anima. Like you dipping a pen in some ink there. No, no, it's just if I want to make my bad poetry. Oh, I see. It's an electronic poetry. pen. Because you're from yeah. the future. Nice. But similar to uh, 883, <laughs> I think you should listen to um, Pearl Jam's first album just to see what you make of it, which okay. is called 10. Uh, but but Tool is your main homework, and if you get to it, check out 10 by Pearl Jam, similar to how yeah. I'll, I'll do with yeah. uh, 883. Okay. Good stuff. Um, do you have a specific recommendation that you'd give from Culture Catch-Up? Okay, I've, I've got two recommendations. Okay. So do I. So this is fine. I feel like if you haven't listened to uh, The Score by the Fugees, I think it's a very good album to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely uh, Infinity Song, Mad Love. I think those are definitely things to listen to if uh, there is time. Nice. uh, Yeah, a good, good album. Cool. My recommendations are... How are you? Uh, so, for me, I'm going to say people should check out Hitman Free, if they can. Okay. It's one of the best games I've ever made. And <laughs> everybody should watch The Queen's Gambit. It is one of the best TV okay. shows I've ever seen. It is absolute perfection. So, Perfect. Yeah. Nice. I like it. So, thanks for joining us for Top 5 90s Bands. I hope you've enjoyed this trip through nostalgia, especially Alex's nostalgia, which was uh, intense... <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Um, and uh, join us next week when we're going to be going a little bit dark, a little bit creepy, Ooh. a little bit gruesome. Uh-huh. We're going to be doing our top five film villains. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's made you feel a bit, oh, you're not nice, but I like you. We'll be look. We'll be looking over those uh, people next time. Or monsters, or whatever. Maybe they're not people. Maybe they're creatures. Top five villains yeah. on film. Villains. Yeah. yeah. So, please check us out on social media. Please send us in your top five lists. We'd love to read out some top five lists from listeners each episode. So, go and send them to us. Our email address, along with all the other social media channels we have, can be found in the show notes for this episode, along with links to everything we've discussed in Culture Catch-Up. Please go and check that out and join us and and join the conversation, all of that. And yeah, thank you so much. Love you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.